Hi, Sophia here with a quick announcement before your regularly scheduled podcast. All through the month of September, we're running a patron drive over on the Moviestruck Patreon. We have already blown past the first stretch goal, a bonus episode of Cats 2019 with Brendan Connors. Thank you so, so much to everyone who's joined, but we do still have another stretch goal left. Uh, If you want me to be contractually obligated to watch Morbius, consider becoming a patron. It helps make this show possible and you get all sorts of fun bonus content like patron-selected monthly reviews and exclusive Discord access. Thank you so much to everyone who has helped get us to the uh, cat's goal. Uh, Your support means a lot. And to anyone who's on the fence about joining, now's an excellent time if you want me to, you know, have to talk about Morbius a bunch. So uh, check out the links in the show notes for more on that. And I will allow you to enter the regularly scheduled Spider-Verse now. It's, It's because people hate spiders. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a common phobia. <laughs> if you had any other name, you could have been bitten by like a radioactive, I don't know, um, bird, puppy, anything. <laughs> what are animals people like? <laughs> um, dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dog man. <laughs> Unfortunately, well, I don't Wolverine even know what that, those exists. powers would be. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I am joined today by four-time Guinness World Record holder and anchor for WBUR, which is a very cool job, uh, Jack Lepiars. Jack, welcome to the show. What up? I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> oh, thrilled to have you. Uh, it's very wild to me that I saw you at the King Richards Fair outside of Boston years ago, and now you're sitting here on a podcast. Which we're is here. We're, we're going to talk about world. Spider-Man. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I should ask you the question that always opens the show. Uh, why did we watch Spider-Man No Way Home? Um, one, because I love Spider-Man in general. I have every amazing Spider-Man comic issue going back to roughly 2001. Um, I don't know exactly when it started, but I got back into it as sort of like in my, my early to, to mid-20s. Um, mm. And just like, I loved Spider-Man as a kid, fell back in love with it as a as an adult, and the way I always describe No Way Home is for like a long-standing Spider-Man fan like me, in the way that the Star Wars sequels were like just a complete subversion of everything you wanted, but in a bad way, the Spider-Man No Way Home movie fulfilled all of my expectations and surpassed them in Mm. just like the opposite way, um, which is hard to explain off the top of my head, but I'll get into it as we as we go <laughs> yeah, in. Luckily, we've got a good long podcast here to go into it. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we'll just jump right in then, because there's no better way to start than starting. I don't know where that sentence was going. Uh, we open on the audio of a news broadcast reminding us of Mysterio's uh, final ploy from the previous entry into the Spider-Man MCU film series. Uh, where he falsely accuses Spider-Man of being the mastermind behind Mysterio's own death and plot. And even perhaps more problematic, uh, he reveals Peter Parker is the secret identity of Spider-Man. We return right to the end of that previous film with uh, Peter and MJ out on on the streets of New York as uh, a crowd hears this report broadcast over every screen um, in what looks like Times Square, but isn't as far as I could tell. I, you know, I I know New York pretty well. Um, I, you know, spend most of my childhood in and around New York, but I I have no idea where that is. Yeah, too many screens to be anywhere that wasn't, like, right around Times Square, but clearly also not nearly enough tourists for that to be the right location, but... 
it's not super important. Uh, <laughs> MJ starts to get harassed by some of the onlookers who realize that she's Spider-Man's girlfriend, and Peter tries to help her and get out, and they start to harass him instead. So they swing away uh, to the screams of MJ, which is a detail I love is how afraid of the swinging and heights and everything that she is through all the acrobatics. I think it's just a fun little character choice uh, for this version I, of MJ. I like it because in like most of the other media of Spider-Man comics, like the animated show from the 90s, MJ actually usually really likes going on <laughs> web swing rides. So it's a nice little like change because, you know, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not the comics universe. It's its own, mm-hmm. you know, multiverse, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's nice just like the little ways that they change it while still staying true to the story. Yeah, I think it helps make, you know, the, the Marvel Cinematic U- Universe MJ like her own distinct character in a way, uh, which helps kind of break the narrative from comic to movie and gives them a little bit more flexibility to actually play with the characters they've got going on. Also, I feel like it's the only time we ever see Zendaya not like completely composed in all of these (laughs) films. Otherwise, she's like, what are you hiding, Peter? (laughs) Yes. Otherwise, she's very much the jaded kind of like alt girl in the background. (laughs) So this is nice to see that she does have some some weaknesses after all. She's not uh, the only character capable of defeating everyone else in the universe. Everyone wants eyes on Spider-Man as he's swinging away, and eventually they make their escape from the streets and climb into uh, Peter's home and through the window as uh, Happy and Aunt May are actively breaking up at the entrance of the apartment. Uh, yeah, and he apologizes for touching her butt as he like helps her through the window. <laughs> just yes. like it's just like a little like quick second, but I was like, oh, yep, I saw that. Yeah, and we're about to kind of set off on a bit of a comedy of errors here. Is Peter and MJ are freaking out about what just happened. May and Happy haven't realized it yet, uh, but they hear Peter and MJ in Peter's room. And as they continue to kind of misunderstand each other and walk in, quote unquote, on Peter and MJ, uh, Peter losing the Spidey suit and freaking out and MJ also present. Um, Aunt May and Happy start to try and give Peter the talk, and instead Peter is desperately trying to prevent them from seeing that the outside world is trying so hard to spot Spider-Man at home at all costs. But eventually the helicopters on the news and also outside of their apartment grab everyone's focus, and we go to J. Jonah Jameson, iconic figure of the Spider-Man universe, uh, (laughs) role reprised. Who could only be played by, I'm forgetting his name, (laughs) the actor's name off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, oh. <sighs> Why can we not flesh. remember this? I have the IMDb page pulled up. Uh, Lee just... Simmons, something Simmons, J.K. Simmons. Yeah, J.K. Simmons, J.K. Yes. Simmons, <laughs> there it is, tip of the tongue. Um, J.K. Simmons, great J. Jonah, I guess it's the, it's the J initial name, he's just meant to play this character. What's interesting also about this scene is, in this scene, he's, he's like very clearly like in his like bedroom or like a, yeah. a spare room in his apartment. Whereas later you see he's like fully in like his own set with endorsements. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just like in this universe, he's just riding that Spider-Man publicity wave. <laughs> That's how he goes. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's slinging some spider slander uh, as all the news oh. outlets start reporting <laughs> That's good. I wrote that one in my notes. I, was, I thought of it while I was watching the movie. I was like, we're going to jot this one down. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, all the news uh, have started reporting on the Spider-Man scandal. Uh, federal agents arrive to arrest Peter and interrogate him. Uh, and in their interrogation, Peter tries to say like, oh, you can ask Nick Fury. He was there the whole time. My version of the story is right. And they drop that Nick Fury has been off world for the last year, uh, off planet, which is a little hint for the savvy MCU viewers that maybe there's some <laughs> familiar comics. Secret Wars is coming. Lines. <laughs> yeah. Secret Wars is coming. Uh, they also arrest Aunt May, MJ, and Ned, kind of the key figures of the uh, greater Spider-Man friend circle uh, to interrogate them as well. And they all go through their different scenes of MJ and Aunt May being very aware of themselves and <laughs> their Completely rights. composed. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then Ned almost immediately giving everything that they, they want to them uh, when they start to question him because Ned can't help but talk about being the guy in the chair. <sighs> He's got to be the guy in the chair. Got it. Uh, even Happy is uh, on their rap sheet as they investigate Stark Industries and some equipment that recently met, went missing from it. Uh, and eventually, needing a lawyer, we get our cameo of the movie. Uh, we bring in Matt Murdock to be Peter's lawyer, who is sitting them down at May's apartment. It says that, you know, none of the charges are going to stick, but the feds are still investigating. So be careful, especially with the missing Stark tech. And... Uh, Happy should probably get a lawyer and just be careful of the court of public opinion, uh, which as he says this, uh, he catches a brick with one hand that flies through the window. Um, for viewers who may not know, Matt Murdock is Daredevil, the <laughs> blind protector of Hell's Kitchen, which is a very small percentage of the city of New York. <laughs> I feel like I, I'm thinking back to the comics. I feel like Daredevil or Matt Murdock in this case always represents Spider-Man whenever he gets into legal trouble across mm. whatever it is. Even when, like, <laughs> I think there was a, an arc in the comics where Peter Parker was accused of murder for huh. a brief period. Um, it was the Clone Wars. We don't talk about that in the comics world. Um, but I think even then, Matt Murdock represented him. And it's 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 a fun little reference to that. But what I, what I do like about this whole, like, sort of opening bit mm -hmm. is how much they cram into, like... And the movie does this a lot of just like it glosses over the parts that it doesn't need to gloss over a lot, mm -hmm. which like I'm so thankful they did because it's already two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah. Like they could have made the happy May breakup take like an extra 10 <sighs> minutes. They didn't do that. They could have made this whole bit of the legal. I mean, like after this, the legal trouble basically just goes away for the rest of the movie. Yeah, um, I kind of the first time I was watching this expected the federal agents and the, particularly there's the one agent who's the head investigator whose name escapes me, but he's the only one who really appears on screen solo. I kind of thought they were setting them up to be a, a key antagonistic force in this movie and they kind of just disappear immediately nope. afterwards. Nope, nope. Basically, I mean, there's like one other confrontation with the police that we'll get to later, but it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's basically just like, I think it's just setting the stakes early on mm -hmm. to then, you know influences choices later on <laughs> we'll see um yeah and i think this is a good point to talk about it because you mentioned you're a bit of a comics fan uh how familiar i guess very familiar with spider-man but how familiar are you with this comic story that this movie is based on because i'm extremely. personally not extremely familiar with it okay, so great. <laughs> yeah i mean the, the comic story i mean i could spend two hours on that comic story just by mm -hmm. itself um there are two comics that this is based off of but we're not quite there yet um but we we're getting very close to one of them uh, very soon with the, the Doctor Strange cameo. Uh, not more than a cameo, I guess, at this point. I would say he's at least a supporting character. He's, he's yeah. earned his keep. <laughs> um, 
Knowing that uh, they just had a brick thrown through their apartment window, May and Happy uh, decide to move into a safer place, a.k.a. Happy's very gadget-laden bachelor pad. Uh, <laughs> I really like Happy's apartment. I find it very funny. In New York? How can you not love Happy's uh, no, apartment? Well, someone currently looking for a new apartment in New York. That place is, like, <laughs> crazy. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Got outdoor space and everything. Uh <laughs> in-unit laundry in this economy (laughs) yeah uh speaking of in-unit laundry actually peter's doing his laundry uh which is when he comes across a crate from stark industries in happy's apartment there's also like a little bit of foreshadowing there in the background you can hear them talking about adding the captain america shield to the statue of liberty in the background (laughs) and i was like oh yeah that thing that shows yeah, up later in the movie. Not something I caught the first time around, but the second viewing of it I was like, oh, they they spend a lot of time talking about the Statue of the Liberty like on the radio. <laughs> uh, Peter calls MJ and they talk about their MIT applications and how excited they are to go together. They're shoo-ins with their transcripts, uh, which is never a good thing to say in a movie. <laughs> It's just in general. Anything you're hoping for, don't describe it as a a set thing. If you know, how could you ever be a shoe into MIT? Also, I know. I have. I think one of my biggest problems with this movie is how much difficulty. Spoiler alert: Spider-Man has getting into MIT. Having gone through the college admissions process, being able to say "I am Spider-Man" on your application should at least get you at the top of the pile. (laughs) But I mean, yeah, I mean. I think they were just thinking of like, oh, crap, this kid's going to be climbing out, out his dorm mm. window every single night to go try and fight crime in Boston, where every <laughs> every building is like three stories tall. That's true. He would have run into that problem from the first film, where as soon as you hit any sort of uh, sub two-story building, swinging becomes a much less efficient mode of transportation. Mm-hmm. I guess he could take the T, but it's not quite the same. You can, you can just ride along on the green line. It's almost as fast as walking. <laughs> That's true. You can just hop right on, especially when you get hit a uh, calm ab, go above ground. Um, <sighs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, flashing back to all of my Boston days. <sighs> Oof. Uh, but she also, you know, asked Peter about his feelings on the recent events. And he explains that, you know, ever since he got bitten by that spider, his life has been crazy. And the only time he's really felt at peace or fine with it was once she found out that he was spider-man uh and he kind of makes a little joke about how he's the most famous person in the world but still broke uh the classic peter parker state of being i feel that that's <laughs> you know i yeah y- we people are like oh man you you're like tiktok famous and i'm like i would like some money for any of this fame that would be nice <laughs> yeah well you if anyone has a method of tipping Jack, uh... the movie struck podcast. This oh, is my this is my, my my way to monetizing it big. Yes, this is hitting it big. We do a Patreon now. Check it out for bonus articles. I too need to feed my cat. Uh... <laughs> Peter returns to school because he is in his senior year of high school, and outside there are hordes of reporters and fans and some uh, not so fans of Spider Man. Uh, pretty much the crowd is split 50-50 between folks who support him and support Mysterio. Pretty good um, percentage for Spider-Man, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, honestly pretty solid based on his usual amount of public opinion. I guess the J. Jonah's gotten at it pretty late this time around, so he hasn't quite had as much time to... Give it time. He'll get that down to up. a good solid 10%. <laughs> Uh, he walks into school and immediately is face-to-face with the key administration members, which are, like, his science teacher, the one vice principal we've met, and, uh, 
Hann- uh, Hannibal Burris, who I saw live I actually s- once in college. He's funny. I did too. I saw him. Uh, he was doing his whole set with while wearing a shirt with his own face on it, and it was wonderful. Excellent. Uh, he's there reprising his role as gym teacher and detention supervisor. Uh, out of the three faculty members, he's the only one who seems to be on Team Mysterio, uh, and he's very vocal about it. But they just sort of show a Spider-Man display off in the school, and he Peter turns to face all of his peers as he walks the hallway, all of them whipping out their phones to take photos and videos as he goes past. He's now no longer an anonymous high school student. So one of the fun things I was looking at, like, you know, all the people in the background is how much all the people in the background actually look like teenagers <laughs> yes. versus the stars of this. <laughs> you know, like all the stars are in their 20s. All the mm-hmm. kids in the high school, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, you look like you're 14. You look like yeah. you're 16. You're probably like, oh, all well. at least teens or look like teens. Yeah. <laughs> it's much more realistic. Um yeah, I guess if you're casting for extras, you can throw a wider net out, but it is still, it's, they kind of pull it off, but there's a few moments in this film where I'm like, that's Tom Holland, and he's, he's like 25, 26. So he's, he's somewhere. I mean, he was like, I think he was 20 when he started the role, but mm-hmm. that was in Civil War in like 2016. Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> it's been, it's been a minute. Whew. The only place that Peter is able to escape to relax uh, is the roof of the school, where he and MJ are sitting having a deep conversation. It looks like they're about to do give a little smooch, but they're interrupted by Ned, uh, which is something of a theme in this movie. Uh, <laughs> all three of them talk again about how excited they are to go to MIT together, or at the very least, school in Boston. I guess all their backups are in Boston, which, to be fair, is a pretty big college town. Um MJ is a little worried that Peter is expecting disappointment, but he reassures her that it'll be a fresh start and they'll all be together and things are looking up in the future because no one has ever seen the news in Massachusetts. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. You you know it's never going to turn out well when they're like, it's going to get so much better. Yep. <laughs> this is going to be the best summer of our lives. And then like yeah. an alien crash lands or something. Uh... There's no way this is going to go well. <laughs> Uh, we get a little montage of college admissions letters starting to come in, uh, and they're all rejections, unfortunately, when finally the letter from MIT arrives. Uh, MJ, Ned, and Peter all gather together at the donut shop where MJ works to open their letters simultaneously, and all three of them get rejections. Once again, you mean to tell me not a single U.S. school wanted Spider-Man to attend? Not one institution said, hey, we could have Spider-Man come to our school, or Spider-Man's friend, a much less risky prospect. Like... Yeah, I mean, I get, I get, not Spider Man, but like, his friends, come on, yeah. man. And like, but then like, even allowing Flash Thompson in when Flash is the one being like, I'm Spider Man's best friend. Yes, Flash wrote a book called Flashpoint about being Spider Man's friend, and he did get into MIT, as we'll find out, because he busts through the doors, uh, very excited, and realizes that no one else had just gotten in. Um, also, like Peter Parker did, it had a Stark Industry Labs words Stark Industries. Uh, oh my god well, internship that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> too many well, i words internship in internship big quotation marks yeah <laughs> i'm sure he got college credit for that or class i would credit. i would hope tony at least gave him something for that he's like hey you're gonna go risk your life but you know mm-hmm. like we'll we'll you know we'll, we'll, we'll throw you something i just feel Thanks. like some that's got to at least make for like a nice admissions essay but i mean it's no at least luck. very unique experiences and mm-hmm. colleges they eat that up <laughs> uh Ned and MJ both stand by their decisions and say they wouldn't change a thing about being friends and or significant others with Peter. Um, 
but memory jogged by the Halloween wizard string lights that look suspiciously like Doctor Strange, uh, Peter has an idea and heads off to the Sanctum Sanctorum uh, of said doctor. Um, Inside, there's a bunch of snow everywhere. There's some interns, I guess, scooping up (laughs) snow into buckets. Sorcerers in training. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of an unpaid internship. It's it. You're being paid in experience, except that experience is magical. Yes. It's a it's a magic experience where we're all a family. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) That's my corporate slogan. I don't know if it's working as well as it is for Doctor Strange. (laughs) Uh, Wong kind of welcomes him very gruffly as he steps out uh, of one of the sling ring portals that Doctor Strange is kind of iconic for, uh, and returns to dealing with their weather issues as someone forgot to seal up the portal to Siberia and let all this snowstorm in here. Strange appears and Wong and he bicker about whose job it is to reseal the portal to Siberia since we learned that Wong is the current Sorcerer Supreme since Strange was blipped for five years in the Great Thanos Snap incident in uh, Infinity War and Endgame. Um, it's it's kind of nice to see them bickering a little bit like an old married couple. There's something I, endearing I mean, I just too. love Wong in general. <laughs> Wong oh, yeah. is like my favorite Doctor Strange character. He's just like just gruff enough to just like smack Doctor Strange when he's like getting too uppity. Yeah, exactly. Um, Peter stammers his way through asking for Strange to go back in time and make his identity still a secret, and Strange is very unwilling to do so. Uh, Besides, he doesn't have the time stone anymore, uh, and it kind of just feels like we're getting a lot of reminders about what key moments in the cinematic universe have happened so far to get us to this point in the Spider-Man plot. Yeah, it's like MCU, I mean, going back to them, like, glossing over the things they they don't need to, it's Mm -hmm. like MCU setting up for Multiverse of Madness and... Also, um, just let me like, by the way, here's where we got here. Now let's move on. Yeah, exactly. Um, an offhand comment by Wong as he kind of continues to shovel snow in the background reminds Strange of one possible option still open to them. The runes of Kof Kol, uh, a.k.a. a spell of forgetting. Wong gives the classic uh, warning that we must give at some point before people attempt magic that they should not uh, know it's too dangerous. Uh, but apparently they've been using the spell for trivial things all the time and they agree to do it for Peter now. So they go down to their spooky basement. <laughs> so this is the comic book reference um, that uh, I remember. And it was actually so it's basically as soon as Far From Home ended, I was like, I feel like this is exactly what they're going to do. They're going to have him go to Doctor Strange and have him cast this spell that makes everyone forget his um, his identity. Because in uh, the comic books, he unmasks as part of Civil War. Um, mm. He sides with Iron Man at first, unmasks. His whole life goes to shit because, you know, Peter Parker is not wealthy and rich like Tony Stark and can just live at Avengers Tower. And also right. he has a moral crisis that makes him want to side with Captain America. And uh, he realizes, hey... This was a lot easier when people didn't know I was Spider-Man. <laughs> and so he has Doctor Strange cast this spell with the help of Tony Stark and Reed Richards, weirdly enough. Huh. But that's that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that's... But he's, you know. he screws it up there just like he does here. Of course. Uh, yeah, so spoilers, this is going to get screwed up pretty quickly. Uh, Strange starts casting the spell in their spooky basement that was both uh, full of ancient history and a movie set at one point. Uh, as Peter questions... And board games, randomly. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, lots of I like that the Sanctum Sanctorum, because uh, we see a, a fair bit of different parts of it in this movie, uh, really feels lived in. Yeah, <laughs> they've got like they word. have Yahtzee, yeah. his Columbia shirts. Um, the oh, the one thing I did remember. Oh, no, no, no. This is later. I'm looking. I'm I'm ahead <laughs> on my notes. 
there's two spooky basements to be fair it's a very easy place to get confused um in spooky basement number one though strange starts casting the spell and as he's doing so peter starts to question just about everything about it in his very peter parker uh i'm a high school teenager who has many questions way um before really explaining what's about to happen strange begins the ritual saying that the world is about everyone is about to forget peter and that wording in particular uh catches his ear he's like wait everyone in the world can't forget him spider-man and he starts asking for exceptions for mj and ned and aunt may etc uh and strange starts to alter the spell as he goes with more and more difficulty and eventually it gets out of hand and the whole world goes crazy and special effectsy in the way that the doctor strange movies tend to get very special effectsy uh, and eventually he manages to pull it back all together and compress the spell into a little um looks like a d12 uh situation spider-man always does this to doctor strange comics in the movies like spider-man just lives to annoy dr strange but dr strange like understands that he's like a good guy and it comes from like naivete Mm -hmm. and so he just like kind of allows it he's like dr strange as i have written underlined in my notes dr strange is a cat he has no patience for peter (laughs) parker but he likes him every now and then yeah it it does feel a little bit like you know maybe you should have known that the teenager would not have the most professional attitude when you're casting this spell and uh, gave him a little bit more prep beforehand but Strange is not the best with children so I kind of get uh, why this mistake might have been made <laughs> I've, I've also heard that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch doing an American accent is the personification of a cat and yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's right yeah that sounds that that checks out um, a lot of Brits doing American accents in this this movie between Holland and Cumberbatch oh God, yeah yeah. I'm sure there are more. I just can't think of any off the top of my head. No. Um, oh, Andrew Garfield. Oh, Spoilers, yeah. by the I way. I always forget Andrew Garfield is British. In my right? mind, like, that's an American man. Inaccurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Strange tells him the problem... Uh, that Peter has is not that you know magic has malfunctioned it's that he's trying to live two different lives uh, Spider-Man and Peter Parker and you can't have the best of both worlds and he's pissed that uh, as he's going he says like you know you you pled your case with MIT you've done everything you could and Peter gets a look on his face that says maybe I didn't think about that and now Strange is mad at Peter because he didn't even think to just call MIT before (laughs) he went and used magic to change it That's a very high school senior move of like, oh, I didn't think I could just call them. Like, it feels like this huge monolithic thing. That said, if I had Doctor Strange on speed dial, I would probably just like default to him. Like, that's so much easier. Yeah. Well, Strange was saying he used the spell to help everyone forget about a wild party they threw. So clearly, you know, like, it's not that it's not been used for less important things in the past. (laughs) I'm hearing some selective enforcement of the rules. Mm Mm-hmm. Strange. (laughs) <laughs> maybe this is why Wong is the Sorcerer Supreme now there you go. There you go. Um, Peter decides to try the persuasion thing since the spell didn't work and gets the location of the MIT mixer from Flash who remember did get in and sets off after one of the uh, admissions representatives she's like the vice president of something or other at MIT uh, on her way to the airport he somehow <laughs> finds her in a New York traffic jam <laughs> I guess you get stuck in one of those. You're there for a while. So he had some time to catch up. Um, and he also you wore his spider suit. And as soon as he gets onto the uh, bridge, uh, he takes the suit nanotechs itself off. And he's wearing a regular suit underneath, which I thought was very, uh, very cute. I love it. <laughs> um, he finds her car, knocks on her window, 
and introduces himself mid-freeway and starts pleading the case for MJ and Ned to be admitted into MIT despite their friendship with him. Uh, But as he's kind of stumbling through this rather unimpressive speech, he gets a spider sense tingle and something starts busting up the bridge ahead of him. What could it be? Um, All of the folks on the bridge start to flee. The MIT representative is trapped in the back of her car as the driver uh, flees and she's locked in. And we see one big old robotic tentacle emerge from the rebel. It's Doc Ock. It's... (laughs) I, I just want to say, Alfred Molina looks great for so good. it having been, what, 14 years at this point? Yeah, the Plus, hair dye they gave him is really d- doing a lot of heavy lifting, but he looks mm. great, and he's so clearly having... Hit. Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina are two very bright points in this movie for me, because they're both clearly having such fun reprising their previous villain roles, and they and do Willem a great Dafoe. job. Willem Dafoe is freaking yeah. 67, and he looks also great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they put in these Marvel movies that makes these guys look Botox, great. But yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll say yeah. it. <laughs> um, yeah, but Alfred Molina, even just aside from his appearance, is clearly having so much fun playing Doc Ock again. And you kind of get the... There's some clips behind the scene of him getting to try out the new tech they used to do the tentacles compared to how they did in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films. Oh, um, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, there, there's a little, there's more CGI involved, uh, but there's I'm also sure. some more wire work and rigging. And there's he just looks like he's having so much fun in every single shot behind the scenes. And you can tell when you're watching him on screen that like this guy was having a blast. Um, and it's kind of infectious in a very fun way. Uh, but yes, Doc Ock is here. What? But there's never been a Doc Ock in the MCU before. What could it be? Um, he recognizes the Spidey suit, a.k.a. Peter, and starts calling out to Peter, asking where his machine is, because if you recall, he was building a machine with the power of the sun or whatever at the end of his particular film. Um, I did not watch every other Spider-Man movie it was, made it before was, this if, one. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's been a while since I've seen it. I have seen all the other Spider-Man movie, mm-hmm. movies, but not recently. Um, yeah, it's been a If I remember correctly, he was building like a fusion reactor. Yeah. Basically like using... You know, the way that the sun fuses atoms together to create all of its energy and is basically just a giant nuclear explosion constantly going that provides the heat and light that we all sustain on. Don't think about it too much. Um, <laughs> science isn't my strong suit. Energy. But he was trying to basically create a mini sun to, like, provide free energy to all of New York. Mm-hmm. It Nerd stuff. go well for him. Did not uh, go well. He... Peter tries to like talk him down because Peter doesn't know who this guy is. This guy's tentacle man. What's he doing here? Um, and but it, it doesn't work. And now they're rumbling on the bridge. All the while, the MIT rep's car is edging closer and closer to the uh, now destroyed sidewall. Um, Doc Ock has a line here that I really liked, uh, where he's talking to his robotic tentacles. As <laughs> Peter's Stark suit gets his little spidey legs that come out uh, mm. and he turns to one of his tentacles which he makes turn to face him and says looks like we got competition before they go back on the attack and I just it, he's just having a blast it's so fun <laughs> well I, I think in the in the original Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire I think mm-hmm. he like Alfred Molina named all of his tentacles and yeah. um, I think <laughs> I think it was the one to his top left was the only one that was like puppeted by a woman and it did like all the like dainty things like removing his sunglasses and i <laughs> i forget what he named it but he like gave that one very distinctly a woman's name mm. that's that's all it that's my fun little trivia for that yeah that's fun i'm glad they kept that through line a little bit um yeah 
They continue to duke it out until the MIT rep's uh, call for help draws Peter's attention and he breaks away to try and save her as the Doc Ock continues to go on the attack. Uh, He webs her car right as it goes over the edge, catching it moments before it crashes into a passing train underneath. But before he can get her out of it and back up to safety, Doc Ock appears once more. Um, He manages to uh, pull a little bit of Peter's suit off and integrates the nanotechnology with his arm. Uh, And as he goes into the killing blow on Peter, the suit moves from his exposed, uh, from his head to the exposed hole in his chest and in doing so reveals his face, which confuses Doc Ock because that's not Peter Parker, or at least it isn't his Peter Parker. Um, Peter's suit then pairs with the nanobots now in the robot arms of Doc Ock, and now Peter controls him. Yes. (laughs) The day is saved by Bluetooth. (laughs) I guess, I don't know how prevalent Bluetooth was when Spider-Man 2 came out. (laughs) I don't don't know if it even existed in 2004. So maybe Doc Ock wasn't was I was far too young to know. This is a truly advanced technology of uh, our modern Peter's time. Um, what what I, what I was thinking also during through the, this scene um, was also like every time Peter encounters Doc Ock and like every media, he gets mm-hmm. his ass kicked oh, the yeah. first time, every single time. And like, this is the one time where I was like, I mean, like technically he, he kind of got his ass kicked, but then he, he wins. And I'm like, it's like, I don't think that's ever happened with Doc Ock. Yeah, Doc Ock's usually, at least, I'm not, I don't know quite as much about Spider-Man as you do. I haven't read as many of the comics, but pretty much every time Doc Ock shows up, it's like, this is Peter's one big bad. You know, this is his, like, one big foil. Yeah, he's up there. Maybe, like, Green Goblin. Yeah. We'll see later, so don't worry. There's plenty of threats flying around. Yeah, with Uh, Green Goblin and Doc Ock, those are, are like, the big two. Mm Mm-hmm. So usually Doc Ock gets to be, I guess it makes sense, because usually Doc Ock would be his... Primary villain for a movie or TV arc or yeah. what have you. Um, but in this case, since we've got so many villains flying around, got to get through this Doc Ock 1v1 fight pretty quickly. And, you know, we've got Bluetooth to save us, so we never need to fear anyway. <laughs> One of the things I always like about, like, whenever Doc Ock appears in any media, and I think I think they do it this uh, well here, not as well as they did in, like, the Spart- Spider-Man PS4 game that came out a few years ago, is... <laughs> Showing just how, like, scary these tentacles yeah. are. Like, that first, like, clamp down as it walks around. Like, those things are, like, they're they're chonky boys. They're beefy yeah. boys. They're spiky. They they look like yeah. they could do some damage. <laughs> they w- The way they sound when they move is very heavy and yeah. alien-esque. Uh, it's, there's, they're frightening. Um, there's, there's some stuff going on. There's some there's some nightmare things happening. Uh, which makes it very funny that Peter then, using the nanobot Bluetooth connection to control the arms uses them to get the admissions rep out of the car because i imagine that's got to be like the most terrifying moment of her life right yes (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) it rips like her out of the car and places her down and like peter's controlling it but (laughs) that's still a giant metal robot arm that's just ripped you from your vehicle dangling over the edge of a bridge (laughs) i'll I'll save your life i may leave you with lasting emotional damage but hey we got the job done we saved the city patrick Yep, and she seems pretty unfazed by this because she's like, yeah, you know I, what I know now? You're a hero and promises to talk to admissions about his friends and him. Uh, he seems confused by the and him part, but she's like, and you, just keep your nose clean, stay out of trouble, and, you know. Only time that's ever happened where, mm-hmm. like, he's done something heroic as Spider-Man and people were like, oh, that was heroic. Thank you very much. Yeah. 
I really thought at this point the arc he was setting up for in this movie is that, because there's been a lot of talk about, like, you can't have it both ways. You can't be Peter Parker and Spider-Man. It was going to be him accepting that he is both at the same time and that Peter Parker does not have to only suffer because of Spider-Man's actions. And this would be a good little moment of like, hey, sometimes being Spider-Man is going to help things work out in the end. It's not always going to be that it just turns people against you. Uh, but I'm not quite sure that's where they landed it by the end of this movie. Which we'll no, I'm, I'm so glad they didn't. I'm, I'm so glad that never occurred to me during the movie because as, as like a Spider-Man character fan, I would have just mm-hmm. been like, how dare you? How dare you do that? <laughs> but it would have been like such a fundamental changing of the character in my mind. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. Not to be uh, like, that's not my character. <laughs> It's not my Spider-Man. It's not my um, Spider-Man. <laughs> Peter still has control of the Doc Ock tentacles and uses them to sort of tie him up and question him when his spider sense goes off once again. And now Green Goblin sort of enters the movie. Uh, Doc Ock recognizes Osborn, of course, because those two are old, old friends in a way. They're um, old science buddies. Yeah. every All of Spider-Man's villains have the potential to be old spot science buddies. I actually think everyone except for Sandman in this movie who shows up is an old science buddy of some kind. Cause actually, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, pretty much. (laughs) It's just cause that electro science guy, lizard villain, whose name escapes me. Cause he's just a giant. Uh, Kurt Connors. Yeah. Science guy. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Except for Sandman. I mean, (laughs) Max, yeah, Electro, Max Dillon, like, I don't think he was, I think in, like, the original story, he's just, like, a petty, petty crook in, like, the Mm -hmm. comics, but they made him a science guy in Amazing Spider-Man, so he's a science guy as well. Honorary science guy now. Um, Right before the goblin can attack Peter, uh, Peter finds himself... The effect they do to get back to the spooky ruins under the Sanctum Sanctorum is that there's just a wipe with the magic of uh, Doctor Strange's like sling ring stuff. We got we got stuff moving. we got to do. We got to just move yeah. it along, baby. It's a very Star Wars edit style, except they just reflavored it so it looks more like Doctor Strange. Um, I don't know. I kind of liked it. I wish we saw more of it. But uh, we find ourselves back in the Sanctum Sanctorum now with Doc Ock and aforementioned large lizard man in their own cells um dr strange appears and be warns him to be careful what he wishes for because he explains that everyone who knows peter parker is spider-man from every universe is being pulled into this one as a consequence for the spell being cast incorrectly and interrupted uh he wanted everyone to forget who spider-man was and instead now he's being forced to have everyone who's ever known it make their appearances so this is our big in the mcu the multiverse is real reveal um Doc Ock is confused by the mentions of magic uh, because, as we mentioned, most of the villains are science guys. So the idea that Doctor Strange's magic is the thing that all of their lives kind of hinge on right now is probably very uh, anachristic to them. You'd think, like Doctor Strange, the you know former doctor surgeon, you know, yeah, would be able to explain it a little bit. But like, he's got no time for that. He's too busy being a cat. No, Strange very much does not care about uh, any of these uh, villains feelings uh which is or anyone's be something. feelings <laughs> or anyone's feelings really um he instructs peter to capture all of the visitors and bring them here to the sanctum sanctorum basement um peter's a little worried about so publicly fighting monsters uh, he doesn't want to hurt his and his friends chances at mit but strange is not happy about his continued concern over something as petty as college uh and <laughs> throws him in a cell for a moment to like illustrate his point which i'm not quite sure if that got the point across but whatever um 
He gives him a like wristlet that lets him fire off a little bolt that will instantly transport a villain to one of these cells. Uh, so that's going to be his sort of pokeball of this whole situation. And uh, that sets us up to go meet our new folks. Um, Peter brings in his team to assist him, of course, Ned and MJ. And uh, they arrive in the Sanctum basement, which now we see more of the basement part of it. <laughs> or no. Now, we see, now we see the Yahtzee. Yeah. Now we see the Columbia shirts. Uh, the goatee mm-hmm. super tool, which I love. So funny. Yeah, it's, it looks like everyone's, you know, junk drawer basement. It's just covered in stuff. There's a fridge full of, like, spell components. <laughs> just looks yes. like, you know, fish and lizards and things. Um, and also, one of my favorite thing, parts about this scene is, because I think at this point, Spider-Man's back in, like, normal clothes, is his shirt is wrinkled as all heck. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I remember pointing out, I was like, that is the most accurate thing in this movie yet. <laughs> like, of course his shirt would be wrinkled after riding around in his Spider-Man suit half the yeah. day. But the suit he was wearing earlier was also really, like, kind of wrinkled and uh, ill-fitting when he was just on the bridge. Like, I guess anything you wear under those nanobots, like, they're not made to dry clean, they're made to fight crime. <laughs> it's no, just a fun... Exactly. Has a little bit of texture to the world. Um... MJ has a moment where she tells Peter to just, you know, run this stuff by them next time. You know, he doesn't have to do it all alone. And at this point, I was like, okay, great. Movie's saying, hey, Peter doesn't have to do everything alone. Great moral, right? Doesn't have to learn to work by himself. Um, we'll see. <laughs> Red herrings. Red herrings too. abound. <laughs> uh, they all introduce themselves to Doc Ock and the lizard and get to work. Uh, Peter is trying to get some paint off of his suit, uh, which just won't come out. And May tells him on the phone to run it by the shelter later if it's still not working uh, to kind of tease that May works. At, I don't remember if May was working at a shelter in the previous films, I think. Um, it might have been referenced right at the start of the last movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a longstanding arc for May in, across a lot of media that she works at the, the homeless shelter that is run by Martin Lee, a.k.a. Uh, Mr. Negative. There you go. Lots of villains coming through this one particular shelter over the course of a lot of arcs. Yeah. I guess that's the risk of being a named character in a superhero media. Uh. <laughs> um, Ned is combing the interwebs for any sort of hits on unusual activity and gets one on a guy spotted flying through the air near a research facility. So Peter assumes, rightfully, that that could potentially be one of the villains they're looking for. He thinks it's the guy from the bridge. We'll see if that's correct. Um Doc Ock doesn't think that our, our Green Goblin could possibly be here because, as he explains, Norman Osborn, who is the Green Goblin, um, is dead. And there's a take in here in this conversation they have where Doc Ock switches from talking kind of normally to yelling and like, and it's in this one shot and it feels so deeply like that is a take from a completely different version of that conversation that they've inserted in the middle because he's yelling and then he's completely back to normal in the next shot of him and it doesn't feel like there was there's something about I did that, not cut catch that, that cut rang wrong to me <laughs> yeah because he's like oh that can't possibly be norman and then peter says what do you mean and doc ock yells something like you don't know what i mean and then they cut back to peter and then they cut back to doc ock and he's in the exact same pose he was in the first shot um oh, whispering again and i'm like something about that didn't quite catch That's right weird. Huh. Um, see i can pick these things up i mean working in audio i can mm-hmm. i can pick these things up in audio but like film continuity forget it i miss it <laughs> completely every single time yeah it just seems like something that you would shoot because they 
do rewrites of these movies on the fly a lot. And it did feel a little bit like there were two versions of this conversation that were filmed and those shots came from different versions of the conversation. But the ultimate point is that Norman died years ago, um, which will be a lot more dramatic if this wasn't a movie about foes from across time and space coming together to fight Spider-Man. Um, Peter goes off to find the guy spotted at the research facility, uh, shimmying along some power lines out in the middle of the woods, and it gets a little quiet. Too quiet. Uh, Save some slight dust moving sometimes in the background of shots, which was very spooky, and I was very into, like, ooh, great introduction. <laughs> I mean, I just really want to say that I'm, I'm sorry that Spider-Man likely had to go to New Jersey to fight this. <laughs> it could have I been like an like, upstate oh, New York thing. You it know? could have Maybe been it's... upstate New York, but I feel like it was probably Jersey, and I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry for that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It got across the river. Um, a crackling sound picks up behind him, and an electric form starts to take shape on the power lines, uh, which is never a good sign. And as Peter begins to call out to the form, uh, he tries to wristlet arrest the electric shape but it goes right on through him because he's just a bunch of uh, electricity uh and now peter is being attacked by the electric man which savvy don't forget it gets the tree it gets the tree it's very important to the the continuation of this story (laughs) that's true he gets the tree um luckily right before he is taken out by who is definitely electro um flint marco aka sandman is there to assist um the one element guy truly immune to electricity (laughs) lucky he showed up yeah, literally any other one of them would have been almost useless to Peter in this moment, but luckily like, he got the one immune to electricity guy rolling through. Um, he recognizes Peter and agrees to help him stop Electro, although it's not his Peter. More on that later. Uh, and the two swing into work. Peter pulls down the power lines, cutting off Electro's power source. Destroys and now, all yeah, the infrastructure. Every little bit of it. There's no way that didn't cause massive blackouts. Uh, but Electro's just a dude now, so it's okay. Um, Peter explains to the two of them that they're not in their universes and Electro seems to be a fan he's like well there's so much power in this universe uh, which makes him get immediately sent to a cell under the Sanctum Sanctorum uh, and seeing Electro disappear Sandman gets uneasy but before he can go on the attack he too gets sent to a cell um, and now they've contained almost everyone of consequence <laughs> Pretty easy. We could be, yeah. we could be done. We can get this movie over in like sixty minutes. <laughs> nope, it's a Marvel movie. It's got to run for at least two hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Electro recognizes the lizard. This is where we learn that it's Doctor Kirk Connor, science guy, who tried to turn the entire city into lizards. And I always forget about his whole deal, where it was like the ne- next stage in evolution. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh it's god, so weird. this guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, like, and unfortunately, that's not changed from the comics at all. <sighs> He also exists in this movie to just sort of spout, like, cryptic warnings and moral lessons while being a lizard with the British accent. <laughs> yes. Um, One thing, so my wife, who's much more of a film person than I am, was like, the lighting on the lizard's eyes, she was like, that's good. Yeah. I can't elaborate on that because those are her thoughts. But I was like, oh, I see what you mean. Where, like, they have the, basically, they have the light basically only on the lizard's eyes and he'll like shrink out of that light every now and then and you just see like the red glowing eyes that's all i got yeah he looks pretty good all things considered um you can kind of tell he's a cgi lizard man but it feels close enough to the bit. background most of the time that they they do a good job of keeping him in the shadows for a lot of the movie to hide a lot of that yeah um which is unfortunate because like doc ock's legs look so good <sighs> 
put some of that Doc Ock budget onto the lizard man and we could balance well, it out. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it was probably an active choice on their end where they knew the lizard. <laughs> Let's be honest, like the villains from the, amaz- the, the Andrew Garfield movies mm-hmm. were probably like people weren't coming back to see them. They were coming back to see Alfred Molina <laughs> reprise Doc Ock. They were coming back to see Willem Dafoe reprise mm-hmm. uh, Goblin. They were coming back with the hope that you know, Toby and Andrew Garfield would be back, which like they tried to hide that, but like all the theaters were like starring Toby Maguire. And it was like, <laughs> cool, good. Yeah. One person went to see the movie and it's like, oh, okay. Now, well, now we all know that the other two Spideys are making their reappearances. Well, it so. wasn't even that like on the website where you could like book tickets. A lot of them had like starring Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield. <laughs> the Spider-Man yeah, so Reddit was very away. excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, Peter calls MJ from the uh, woods to confirm that both of those lads went through to their cells and stays behind to clean up some of the power lines, which I guess works because uh, no one seems to really call him on it. The next day. <laughs> it's just, you know, you just you just put the wires back together. That's how it works. Yeah, that's totally that seems right. You don't need to like solder or anything. No, no, no. No. I guess he's got nanobots in his suit, but it's not. Important. I am not a union electrician. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next day, the mask of the Green Goblin sitting on the side of a dumpster berates Norman for hiding who he truly is, so he shatters it. Uh, we're getting a little bit of a crash course in the whole Norman Osborn versus his evil Green Goblin side uh, dichotomy. I kind of like that, the smashing the helmet on like a second watching, because later in the movie, his costume looks much, much closer to the Green Goblin that we've, you know, every other Spider-Man medium has had. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that that was kind of them being like, yeah, we're not bringing back the Power Rangers suit. <laughs> yeah, I think it would have looked a little out of place in this movie. Like, you can make Doc Ock stuff kind of fit with the aesthetic of these films, but Green Goblin is a bit more cartoony than they usually go for. Um, and even Jamie Foxx's Max Dillon got like a big old makeover. Oh, yeah. He's wearing like a completely different outfit and... He's not blue, for one thing. Uh. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah. Let's not dwell on the mistakes of the past. No, well, if there's ever a movie to dwell on the mistakes of the past for, it's probably this one. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> um, but we don't have too much time to dwell because Peter gets a call from May. She's at work, and one of the guys he's looking for just waltzed on in. Uh, Peter rushes through in a panic to the, sh- the kitchen of the shelter where May and Norman Osborn are chatting and eating some donuts. Um, Norman saw Spider-Man in an ad for the shelter and thought that maybe Spider-Man could help him and didn't know where else to go. Uh, after all, he tried to go to his home, to his lab, but everything from his universe is MIA. And he kind of goes on to reiterate his whole deal, which is sometimes he's not himself. He's someone else. The Green Goblin. I totally thought he was going to kill May before he got there and like go crazy. And maybe that was maybe that was a plan, a planned plant. <laughs> Just a, a little early fake out. A little, ooh, you thought. Um, Peter is a little bit like, I don't know what to do about this guy. And May pulls him, excuse me, May pulls him aside and asks if all of the bad guys he's been capturing are like this, lost in their own minds and listless. And she's like, they all need help. You got to help them. Uh, Peter's like, well, sending them home is the best thing that we can do for them. And May sort of reiterates the problem that will plague him throughout the rest of this movie is sending them home the best for them or the best for you. Um, Meanwhile, the Daily Bugle, which has continued airing the Spider Slander, uh, is 
gets a call as they go offline that they got eyes on Peter at the shelter. So J. Jonah rushes off to give chase. He's going to be on pursuit of our Spider-Man pretty much until actually until the, until the end of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Well yeah. into the credits. Um, May drops off Peter and Norman at the Sanctum, and Norman is absolutely fascinated by all the stuff in the basement of all these sorcerers, which, to be fair, I too would love to, <laughs> to just go like antiquing through that basement. There's got to be so much cool stuff down there. I tried to look at like some of the other board games they have down there, but I was like, no, I need to, I need to stop looking at what's in the background <laughs> just of this basement. I think it helps the basement's one of the few sets that feels like really tangible, it, that feels like they might have actually had a set that they put objects into, as opposed to, this Marvel was pretty liberal with their use of CGI backgrounds. Um, I'm sure. This is one of the only ones I think they fully get away with, like just how much of it is real, uh, which means that as someone who likes art department gigs a lot, I'm like, I just want to see what kind of props they had to make, because they couldn't use brand name everything, so like, what do they make out? <laughs> love it. I love it. Um Norman and Doc Ock chat, and Ock reminds him that, hey, you died, uh, which he takes remarkably well. I thought maybe this is where he'd go crazy, but no. Um, Sandman backs him up on that as well. They have a corroborating witness. And as they're sort of having this discussion, all of the villains come to the realization that they all died fighting Spider-Man. and uh, Except for Sandman, because he didn't die, but there's no one there to tell him that. <laughs> and all of this with Sandman could have been like, he's just like, I want to get home to see my daughter. And everything that happens with Sandman later on could have just been solved. Yeah. If they just had someone be like, no, you don't die. Maybe Toby could have told him that later. Toby. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Sandman I love this movie, but like, it does have like... some, some major plot holes. Yeah. There's, you know, that, that happens when you try to pull three continuities together, but... It, um... Sandman is the only one of these villains where I was like, I kind of think he should have been more on board with what was happening a lot earlier because he never really fully liked being Sandman. And I feel like yes. you just kind of want to go home to your family. It seems like everyone's working towards that goal for you. I don't know why you're ready to yeah. run. Um, what can you do? Deep breaths. <laughs> we are Zen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all realize also that they've been transported to this universe at the moment before they died or right as they died. So if they get sent back, that's it. They're kaput. Um, Doctor Strange then uses this dramatic realization as his opportunity to return. And as he does so, puts Norman in a cell despite Peter's protests. Uh, and now that he has everyone trapped, who is a visitor from other multiverses or from across the universe, um, he whips out a cube inside of which is the contained spell that they were previously casting. And he says that he is ready to send these guys back to their universes through the completion of a ritual using this cube uh, and begins to sort of Rubik's it out to uh, cast the spell because that's how that works. Um, Peter starts to protest. He's like, we can't do that yet. If we send these back guys back, some of them are going to die. And Strange is like, sorry, it's their fate and begins the ritual and continues his ritual anyway. Um, but right before he can press the button that activates it, because it's a little button on the outside of the cube, uh, Peter steals said cube and takes to the streets where he and Strange sort of squabble for a bit, uh, as they, they roughhouse, um, there's a moment where Strange separates Peter's physical and like mental astral forms, uh, but it does very little to actually dissuade Peter, who just swims back into it uh, yes. and swings off in his body again. Um, what I what I really like about like this sort of like characterization that we're getting into is it feels it's one of the first times in the MCU that I've really felt they nailed sort of his guilt complex that he always has, which is like Spider-Man always wants 
basically he's always trying to do the right thing even when it is at his expense mm-hmm. um, and one of the big things is not killing villains even when like in some cases like the villain is an absolute psychotic serial killer who was a serial killer before they got superpowers and now they have superpowers and there's basically no way to keep them safely anywhere so the best option is to kill them and spider-man's like no 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 he was an orphan he had a rough childhood you know it's not his fault and i'm like i i don't i think we're past it being his fault but like it's such a it's nice to see that like start to translate here because like so much in these movies where it's like the villain comes along and then they just conveniently die at the end yeah. of the movie. Like, oh, yes. How, how do we get you out of the picture so you're not back later on? Mm-hmm. But I digress. Yeah, it's, it's nice to see the, the characterization sort of become more solid because there's so many of these movies, too, at this point. Uh, not just Spider-Man, but the MCU broadly that the heroes start to get a little interchangeable. So defining what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man, I think, is important, uh, especially since there are so many Spider-Men, as we'll see. <laughs> uh, Strange's cape gives chase to the swinging spider, and Strange uh, ends up sending him to the mirror dimension. So now they chase through the VFX New York City that made the Strange movie so stand out. Uh, there's some solo shots here where you can like really see the, see the CGI coming through or the green screen, and I'm like, oh, buddy. <laughs> there's a few backgrounds. I'm like, there's no depth to that shot. Um they had to get, I mean, I think they had to get in a, like, a Spider-Man fights Doctor Strange fight. Like, remember the first Avengers movie where they all had to fight at some point? Yeah, you know. It, it kind of felt like a little bit of that. But it also felt like another opportunity to just have Spider-Man annoy Doctor Strange. And that really is like, you know, mm-hmm. he may have majored in chemical engineering, but his minor was, how do I annoy Doctor Strange? <laughs> Yes, a, a minor that is, in fact, pretty easy to do well in because a lot of things annoy <laughs> Doctor Strange, known cat. Um, <laughs> Strange tries to explain to Peter as they fight that there are infinite people who will be coming here if the spell is incomplete because in infinite multiverses, so many people know Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Uh, but Peter is determined to try and change fate and help these guys before he sends them back. Um, there's a moment I really like for him where in order to finally best strange he realizes that the mirror dimension is just using geometry and uses math to figure out a way to use his webs to trap strange uh which was a nice little clever like you may have magic but peter has basic geometry (laughs) i think yeah i mean i think during this whole sequence i think both my wife and i were like i'm so glad i'm not on drugs right now (laughs) yeah yeah um Peter traps Strange, takes his sling ring, which is what he uses to open portals, the cube containing the spell, and leaves him webbed up in the mirror dimension. Uh, And he sort of offhandedly gives the ring to Ned, which will come back later, but I really like this for Ned. (laughs) Give him something to do, because MJ sort of takes on the uh, primary um, friend character role. Yeah, woman in the chair. Um, The bad guys are all confused about why Peter's not leaving them to die, and Peter explains that with their advanced technology, like Bluetooth, they can help them all and find a way so that when they go home, they have a second chance. (laughs) Um, And as he does in pretty much every scene where he speaks, Lizard enunciates the problem of this movie. When you fix people, there are always consequences. Um, But, I mean, we also have, I think in this scene, the greatest line of the entire movie where Willem Dafoe reprises his I am something of a scientist myself, which is the ultimate meme. And I was the only person in the theater, apparently, to catch it because I I guffawed and clapped and everyone else was like, what what the 
hell are you doing, dude? You're really holding it down for all the Defoe fans out there. I, I am here. I don't know if maybe this meme is like only on the Spider-Man Reddit, but it is all over the Spider-Man Reddit. <laughs> I can't say I'm familiar with it, so it might be a Spider-Man Reddit situation, but I don't know. Sad. Tweet at me, listeners. Let, do you know the Willem Defoe? I am something of a scientist I'm something myself. of a scientist myself, yes. <laughs> um, all the bad guys agree to go with Peter uh, with varying degrees of eagerness and or believability that he can do anything. Um, Peter gives MJ and Ned the spell cube and tells them to push the button if anything goes wrong uh, because he can't do this if he knows they're in danger. And again, at this point, I thought the movie was about him learning to work with his friends as Spider-Man, but uh, accepting that he has, you know, one life, not two. Um, But we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, Peter grabs all the villains, takes them into Happy's apartment. We get a shot of them all walking past the uh, front door camera. (laughs) Except for Lizard, who wanted to stay in the truck that they drove over there from the shelter. Um, probably the best. Probably for the best, yeah. <laughs> probably for the best. He needs to be in there to stay in the shadows and spout the uh, cryptic one-liners <laughs> later on. <laughs> yes. Doc Ock is upset that they're working from an apartment, but Peter has his case of secret stark technology, specifically a fabricator, which is basically like a mobile lab and 3D printer all-in-one that can make and do anything. Um so they're pretty well equipped to create any sort of gadgets or serums that they may need to cure these guys. Uh, Peter and Norman get to work on Doc Ock first, who is kind of... Uh, Aunt May offers him a drink of water, and she asks him if he wants salter f- fresh, uh, because he's an octopus. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is a really like, great Alfred Molina staring at her shot from. <laughs> I love that whole... I mean, like, th- this movie is not a comedy by any means, mm-hmm. but, like, every now and then it just has that, like, moment, like, that situational comedy like that. Or, like, when, when Spider-Man sends the tree back, and they're like, yeah. wait, there's a tree. Is it a tree villain? Is it is it anything? And Electra's <laughs> just like... Dude, it's just a tree. Yeah, it's... um. I think something this movie does really well uh, is the like smaller interactions between characters. You get a lot of it later on when the other Spider-Men show up. Uh, yeah. But you can see it in some of these earlier scenes with how the MCU characters are interacting with these villains from other places and from Strange and Spidey's interactions. Uh, and just like the littler moments, I feel like they do really, really well um, throughout the film. Uh, there's a nice little moment too tied into that where Electro and Sandman are talking about how they got their powers and they find out that both of them fell into things. Uh, I completely yes. forgot that Electro got his power by falling into a vat of electric eels. <laughs> I had this written down in my notes and I was like, wait, what the hell was this? Be careful where you fall. I, I love the wink at the silliness. Yeah, yeah. Um, Norman offers Peter a job at Oscorp if he ever wants to commute across uh, multiversity and they successfully create a chip that makes... Uh, Doc Ock less miserable because the reason that he is a villain is his uh, his Bluetooth ran Bluetooth out. Bluetooth ran out. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> his. So they his, just fix yeah. his. They give him like a Bluetooth upgrade, and <laughs> now he's good to go. Yeah, he, he goes limp for a second. They think maybe they failed, but nope. Uh, the world is finally quiet to him. He can't hear the voices of his various tentacles in his head. Uh, he's cured. Um, I would he, not have trusted that at all. Not but, yep. even a little bit, but he does give the nanobots back to Peter, who gets his full Spidey suit, look back, and uh, thanks him for his help, offering his own in return. So now we've got three of the sci- of the four science guys working on this. Um, Doc Ock sort of asked Norman about how it feels to be knowing that he's going to be whole again soon, no more darker half, and Norman just sort of smiles cryptically, which is never a good sign. Um, uh. <laughs> 
Peter puts. You can hear it immediately. Oh in his yeah, voice. you're like. There's... It's like his his voice just immediately gets that so much slower. He goes, "Just me." You know, <laughs> it's like, Ugh. yeah. Which half are we talking to right now? Yep. Uh, Peter puts a device on Electro that will draw out the excess electricity in him once the lights around it fully light up uh, and rushes off to check on something else. But Electro gets uncomfortable quickly as something feels off. And despite Sandman's attempts to calm him down, he's he's a little anxious. Um, conveniently at this time, J. Jonah Jameson rolled and his news crews roll up, uh, which allows the lizard to cryptically whisper about how it's all about to begin from his shady truck. With, with the lighting <laughs> just on his eyes. Just on his again. eyes, yeah. Um, PD's spider senses start tingling, but he can't figure out what's wrong. And standing in the middle of all the villains, he tries to figure out who is the one who's the source of the danger he senses, closing his eyes and focusing before shooting webbing at Norman's hand, which is touching a device. (gasps) Norman's been replaced by the goblin, who doesn't want to be eliminated, because how dare they try and get rid of him, the dark side. Um, May backs away to the lab, grabs the goo that will ungoblin him, and starts making for the emergency exit as the goblin begins to turn all the villains on Peter, talking to him like, we don't need to be fixed, we're perfect just as we are. It's the speech from, like, every coming-of-age movie, but evil Yeah, <laughs> well, I think it's it's a reference back to, like, his characterization in the first Spider-Man movie, where, like, the big song that accompanied it was yellow cards gifts and curses um <laughs> where he's like you know these aren't curses they're gifts and i think it's just like you know it's a, it's a little harken back to that yeah those it's of a us very who vaguely um, remember it. x-men sentiment but now yeah. played for a villain yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just creepier when it's not ian mckellen saying yes exactly if it's if it, ian mckellen ian mckellen he he classes it up yeah. Willem Dafoe, he just makes it sound a little, you know, crazy. Willem Dafoe makes it sound very sinister, but I can't knock him because Willem Dafoe is so fun to watch. Be a villain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> His facial range alone is just uh, delightful. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very kind of Jim Carrey level of distortion. After, yeah. After this movie came out, there were so many just posts on this, going back to the Spider-Man Reddit, of just like <laughs> him doing his like goblin face in some way <laughs> or another. And yeah, it was basically that for quite some time. I'm glad that they all latched on to a a good spot. Willem Dafoe's face. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Uh, May takes off running. She tries to take the elevator and then eventually switches to the stairs, which smart. Never use an elevator in case of fire, folks. Um, Electro removes the device from himself, agreeing with the goblin. And now the villains slash uh, hero and other villains are all rustling. Peter's basically fighting everyone who didn't immediately run off, which is... Like everyone who's not everyone Doc who's Hawk. not Doc Hawk. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jay Jonah starts filming everything as the gang goes into an all-out brawl. Um, Norman and Peter tussle, causing significant property damage, and Peter gets pretty beat up. <laughs> so the this I was really interesting to see because his face while he's fighting the goblin, it's intense. Yeah. And you don't see that with him. I mean, like most of the time he's wearing a mask, so you can't see what his face looks like. But I had this realization that, like, this is the first super strong human that he's ever fought. Because hmm. um, he's he's fought Thanos, but, like, Mysterio, just a dude. Vulture, just a dude with, yeah. like, you know, some flying things. Um, where this is the first time he's fought someone who's another human who can, like, no, they can, they can take him punch for punch even if he's not pulling his punches. And the face, like, the look of determination he's got, it's a little scary. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. This is the first superhuman he's he's really up again. Huh. Good catch. Superhuman human, yeah. Yeah, superhuman human, not 
technologically augmented or yes. alien. <laughs> yeah. Um, Peter, and because of this, gets pretty beat up. You know, it's a tough fight for him. Uh, when he makes it to the outside of the building, though, and then the lizard comes out of nowhere and extols a moral at him once again before disappearing into the night. I, I love what the lizard's doing in this movie. I don't think it necessarily is, like, important in any way, but it is fun that just occasionally you'll forget he's there and then he pops up again. He just pops up just, yeah. like, like body slam you and then just run away. He body slams you and in a very thick British accent, he's like, and this is the moral of the film, and then he disappears yes. again into the night. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, he, isn't he like you were warned there would be yeah. repercussions or something yeah almost word for word yeah. <laughs> but like what, what what repercussions he was trying to help you guys all out oh uh lizard um, the, the, the lesson is no good do you go some punished mm. i guess may has things to say about that but she does and she'll get to say them pretty soon because she reaches the ground floor just as norman smashes through the ceiling choking peter uh extolling you know all the ways that he's he was right and Peter was wrong and yada 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 all the moral lessons of the film uh, May runs up and tries to stick him with the goop that'll make him just Norman and not the goblin but it doesn't work and now the goblin is angling to hurt May because how dare she poison his mind with things like caring about people and helping others um, Peter begs her to run but she doesn't and the goblin's glider comes crashing through and hits her right in the back which if you remember the goblin's glider is very pointy folks it's an important piece of production design that will help us in about two seconds um <laughs> it's an important tool that'll help us later <laughs> or or hurt us emotionally hurt us. right in the feels that's yeah. not oh oh no mm-hmm. um i loved this fake out um but i i don't want to interrupt your summary so continue and then i'll give you my thoughts yeah, we'll get through it. Uh, Goblin sets off one of his uh, bombs blowing up the building and makes his escape. And in the rubble, Peter and May reconnect. They're both standing. It seems like they're beat up, but okay. Uh, May assures him that he did the right thing, which is just, you know, uh, true uh, morally, if, you know, didn't work out great for him heroically. And she drops her parting message. Uh, spoiler alert. Parting is a key word there. <laughs> that Peter has great power and so... Also, great responsibility, With, if you know there anything. There must come great responsibility. <laughs> they finally, it took them however Three many movies. Spider-Man movies to finally get, no, 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 not even get the line, but get the right line from the comics. <laughs> oh. So the original, yeah, because the original, like, so in Toby, it's with great power comes great responsibility. And I think mm-hmm. they did the same thing for Andrew Garfield, but that's not the actual comics line. Ah. This is the actual comics line because the actual comics line is much more awkward. With great power, there must come great responsibility. <laughs> you know, doesn't quite as work as like a nice little slogan, but yeah, it does I, work as an immediate death flag though, because anyone who says <laughs> it's doomed, as we learn, uh, because they go to leave and May just very suddenly is like, actually, I'm gonna sit down here for a while. I'm really tired. Uh, they faked starts- me out. <laughs> They faked me out. So the glider hits me. I'm like, oh, she's totally dead. The glider is very pointy. Mm -hmm. And then she gets up and I'm like, oh, maybe it caught something different. And like, you know, it's just like it was a glancing blow. It was fine. And then like she collapses. I'm like, you you jerks. I was not prepared. I like I thought like there have been so many death flags like when Norman first went to the fee center. I'm like, okay, here's where she dies. Oh, no, 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 no. Then this Mm -hmm. happens. I'm like, and then I was like, I guess, but like with the adrenaline, you could probably not feel that stabbing that quickly. Yeah, I, my note here just says May starts dying of saying the line syndrome. So I, <laughs> I, I don't know. We were like, it's this beautiful moment of like faking out. And you're just like, yeah, okay, all right. 
I don't know if the fake out worked for me that well. I was like, I, I'm already a little miffed that you had to kill off May because Peter just had a whole movie about how a death of a significant mentor and influence in his life affected him and coming to terms with that. And now May dies, so he's got to do the whole thing all over again, uh, but from it's, a slightly different angle. Um, it's it's all toxic. Peter. Oof. Everyone everyone close to Spider-Man has terrible things happen to him. It's like in the contract. Yep. Uh, Peter tries to call for an ambulance, but no one is there, save the massive amount of SWAT team outside waiting for him to make an exit because they want to capture Spider-Man. Uh, May keeps insisting that she just needs to catch her breath and dies alone with Peter. It's very sad, very dramatic. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it'd be a little bit sadder if dealing with great personal tragedy wasn't the plot of the last movie, but it's still a pretty impactful moment. Um, Happy rolls up just in time to see Peter hold May as she dies. Uh and then gets immediately arrested by the SWAT members surrounding the building. As Peter starts to run, uh, J. Jonah reports on all the damage and tragedy at the apartment complex where uh, everywhere Spider-Man goes, chaos and calamity ensue and innocents are left to pick up the pieces. He can't be Spider-Man and have all these regular people in his life. It's just I too think dangerous. He, he also gets shot there as he's running away. Yeah. It looks like he gets shot in the shoulder. I don't know if like the nanomachines block it or, or whatnot, but I'm like... That's Damn. a teenager. He I was like, yeah. <laughs> He's in high school, man. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, Spider-Man does have a healing factor, but it's not its not a Wolverine healing factor. No. Also, this is a universe with, like, other superheroes in it. Why is in a SWAT team after what? him? Oh, so, yeah. He... <laughs> I mean, why aren't any of these superheroes vouching for him? <laughs> this is a universe where Tony Stark already has his public persona out there. He passed away. He's a beloved worldwide hero. Spider-Man fought with him, inherited Stark Industries as a whole thing. Also, there were like eight or nine other people on that fight. Not a single one of them seemed to... Doctor Strange was there. He's in the same city. He didn't say mm-hmm. anything. It's, you know... It's it's because people hate spiders. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a common phobia. <laughs> if he had any other name, he could have been bitten by like a radioactive, I don't know, um, bird, puppy, anything. <laughs> what are animals people like? <laughs> Um, dogs. Yeah, <laughs> I'm dog man. <laughs> Unfortunately, well, I don't Wolverine even know what that, those exists. powers would be. Yeah, oh god, oh god. Uh, actually, I do know what dog man's powers would be because in the movie Jupiter Ascending features uh, a dog, genetic dog man. So, it, what it is what is a, it a, gives a, Channing Tatum a terrible die job, <laughs> the ability oh, to roller no. skate. Oh <laughs> no! Oh no! Uh, don't do that to Channing. He's pretty. <laughs> Well, he's not as pretty in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Less pretty as a dog. Good to know. Yeah, just note for later. Um, we go to Ned's where his uh, grandmother, I think, is uh, his Lola in Tagalog, gives him a hug as he and MJ watch the report on the news, waiting on a call from Peter. Um, MJ, oh, there's yeah. a scene here. Oh, yeah, where... Um, sorry, I'm going backwards. Um, yeah, no worries. But where, where he's looking... He's standing in the rain watching the Daily Bugle broadcast. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they use that as a trailer? Right. Because that, like, I think it's like 35 seconds long. It's like perfect trailer length. It doesn't spoil anything in the movie. And it would be like just like a perfect, like, announcement trailer or teaser trailer. I don't think it was ever used as one. No, I don't even think it's like a cut that really appears in any of the trailers themselves that were like put together. Yeah. That's a a solid piece of just. It's a solid dramatic moment. Yeah. Yeah. And the background is blurred enough because of the rain. You can kind of make it out that he's anywhere, even though Spider-Man is in New York. Um, he's in New York, yeah. Yeah, it's, come on. It's, they had that whole movie he's always in they, New York, except when <laughs> except he's inexplicably in Venice and London. Yeah, somewhere <sighs> else. 
When he's um, far from home, you could say. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, and Jay Jonah's like, you know, that's a great touch point. Everyone knows Jay Jonah Jameson. He's kind of an iconic Spider-Man character in his own right, and everyone sort of knows his deal is talking against Spider-Man, so you're not really spoiling too much by having him talking against Spider-Man in the teaser. Have you could, it's actually really weird right now in the comics where he's actually, he ins- he's learned that Spider-Man is Peter Parker, and now he's Spider-Man's biggest friend. Really? He's be- like, I literally <laughs> was just reading up, uh, I'm, I'm a little behind in the comics, but he was literally like, I'm your I'm your guy in the chair now. <laughs> He's dead. That is that is a verbatim <laughs> quote from J. Jonah Jameson in the no. comics, circa 2018, 2019, 2020. I don't know exactly where I am in the the continuity, but yes, I, I digress. Yeah. Ned has been replaced by J. Jonah Jameson. That's <laughs> that's a choice. Well, the the Ned in the comics is very different, and they <laughs> I, I'm a little worried they're foreshadowing that. Ooh. Um. Going back to Ned and MJ, uh, MJ is like, I gotta, t- I gotta press the button, I gotta unleash the spell, and Ned tells her to wait, wishing that they could see Peter. And as he wishes, he waves his hand, and those classic strange magic sparks ap- appear, uh, because Ned still has the sling ring on. And as he says he wishes to see Peter, a portal opens to a figure in a shadowy alley wearing a spidey suit. Um, the figure runs towards them, but it's not there, Peter. Uh, when he enters the room, he takes off the mask. It's Andrew Garfield. <laughs> At one hour and 24 minutes into this movie, <laughs> we finally get another Spider-Man. <sighs> I have it circled in my notes of like, this is how long it took for us to get to this point. Yeah, it it took a minute, um, I would <laughs> it, say. <laughs> it, took, it took 84 of them, actually. <laughs> I'm surprised this podcast is actually running shorter than the movie currently. We'll see if we can keep that. I'm, I'm trying to like only focus on like the parts that I, where I have a lot to say and not being like, I liked how he swang through the streets. Swung? Yeah, swang? Swinged? Swang. How well, he was swinging through the streets. Yeah, that works. That's, I talk for a living. Right. Can you tell? <laughs> we've, all, we've all been there. <laughs> we've all been there. Um MJ asks him to prove that he's Peter Parker because Andrew's like, it's me, Peter Parker. Uh, so he sticks to the ceiling and Ned's grandmother asks him to go get a cobweb out of the corner since he's up there anyway, which I, I like Ned's grandmother a lot in this. She just sort of takes everything in stride. I think it shows a real strong woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And only basically only speaks Filipino for the yeah, entirety of I think it. Subtitles are just says speaks Tagalog, which is a kind of a yeah. failure of the subtitles, but it's okay. We'll roll with it for now. Um they try making another portal to find their Peter, and this time they find Old Man Toby. <laughs> old Man, Youth old Pastor Toby. Youth Pastor Toby Maguire. So here's here's uh. here's if you want to feel old. Toby Maguire now is older than Willem Dafoe was oh, in the original no. Spider-Man. Oh yes. It's a little obvious that Toby is much older than the other Spideys in this film. Toby's actually, I think he's only like nine years older than Andrew Garfield. Yeah, that, that tracks. Um, um, but I mean, I, th- I think he's 47, Garfield's 38, yeah. and Tom Holland's like 25, 27-ish. Toby just, de- every time he's on screen, I'm like, ah, good old man, Toby. Good old man, like, Toby. The 40-year-old amongst these, you know, Thanks for coming on back. 20, 30-somethings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's in his, like, you know, comfy sweatpants. It was very, I was expecting, like, a full Spider-Verse moment of, like, Peter B. Parker in the sweatpants over the Spidey suit yes. kind of thing going on when he showed up. Um Peter and Peter both shoot webs at each other. For the sake of clarity in this podcast, I'm going to refer to them as Toby and Andrew going forward because that will make it infinitely easier for our listening audience. Uh, (laughs) No, it's Peter 2 and Peter 3. Come on. Which one's Peter 2? Ned's grandmother asks them to clean up the webs they just shot and then goes to bed exiting the movie, unfortunately for all of us. Uh, Toby has been 
trying to find the Peter of this universe uh, as Toby and Andrew have a sense, a spidey sense, you could say, that Peter needs their help. Um, he asks if there's somewhere that Peter would go that has some meaning to him. For Toby, uh, I think it was the uh, Empire Chrysler, Chrysler building. building, and then Andrew's yeah. the Empire State building. Uh, and for Peter Parker in this universe, it's the one place where he can go to get away from everything, the top of his high school. I don't know about me, but I mean, at, at 17, like that was the last place I would ever want to be. But, you know, <laughs> to each their own. Yeah, you know, spending more time at high school than necessary, probably not the go-to. But for Peter, it's a spot where I guess no news helicopter can reach him. Um, They find Peter there, of course, and have a little group hug with MJ and Ned. Very sweet. Uh, And Peter meets the other spiders who emerge dramatically from the shadows on the top of the spire on top of their school. (laughs) Um, They start to do a we-know-what-you're-going-through speech, but he stops them. Peter blames himself for May's death and says that, uh, you know, she dies for nothing and resolves to finish the spell like he should have in the first place, abandoning the morals she tried to instill in this moment. These villains are from the other spiders' worlds, after all, and if they die fighting Spider-Man, that's on them. Uh, that's that's So I like that he has this moment, because, like, in every... Spider-Man is like a paragon light mm-hmm. um, to use some of like red from OSPs, <laughs> you know, like yeah. tropes. So like Captain America is a paragon. Right. Of like, he's always going to do the right thing. He's always going to be, be good. He's never tempted by weakness. Spider-Man gets tempted by weakness a lot. And he's like, it would be so much easier for me to just stay in tonight and order pizza and not go out on patrol. And it's, it's nice to see them, like Spider-Man is not about being perfect. Spider-Man mm-hmm. is about trying to con- trying to be your best when everything sucks. And I'm like, mm. and like, I think when Andrew Garfield talks about later in this scene about what happened after Gwen Stacy died, I don't know if we're going to get to that. But... Oh, we will. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Then, I'll, then I'll stop talking now. <laughs> Save it for about two seconds from now. Um, MJ great. holds the spell back from Peter for a moment. So the other two Spideys can tell him about their great losses, which is where we're going to get to this uh, and how afterwards they kept going. But at some point they got rageful and bitter, uh, which is not how I remember those movies going, but it sounds right. Um, So basically takeaway is like, they also experienced great loss and it made them not act to the best that they could possibly be afterwards. They got bitter, you know, vengeful um, and they don't want Peter to do the same. Well, the interesting thing about that is, um, so Andrew Garfield says a line, he says he stopped pulling his punches, mm. which as if you know, like how strong Spider-Man is, that's dark as heck. <laughs> so there's, there's a line, um, there's a bit or a panel in the comics where Dr. Octopus and Peter Parker switch bodies. It's not important. Why? Just go with it. Um, but he fights the scorpion while he's in Spider-Man's body and he punches his jaw off because he doesn't realize how strong Spider-Man is. Uh, and this is a guy who's like in a super powered suit and he's that strong. And it's like, if you know that, you're like, oh, no, he's basically just been killing every like burglar mugger he comes across. Mm-hmm. And he's been doing it now for 10 years. Yeah, it's uh not to make Andrew Garfield's character like seem much much scarier, <laughs> but you know, just uh you know, don't don't make him angry. It's a frightening thought. It's sort of the idea of like Superman, the whole world of glass 
speech mm-hmm. except re- you don't think of that for spider-man often because spider-man is your friendly neighborhood spider-man he feels like a yeah. much smaller is the wrong word but like a smaller hero in some senses yeah. um so having it explicitly stated in this movie i think is only to the benefit of the point they're trying to make um peter is of course swayed by these speeches though and they set about uh giving it one last old college try at a curing all of their villains and now with the power of three peters they use the school chemistry lab uh which i think was i liked that a lot because peter's always using his high school lab to build stuff in these movies so it's nice that they got to go back to that here um, you know all all the science baby yeah all the scientists in this movie uh they go finish the cures uh for all of the villains including osborne even though peter finds him to be his new enemy numero uno um Ned has a little chat with Andrew and the other Peters about whether or not they have a best friend. There's a lot of good, like, this whole next sequence is going to be, like, really fun character interactions, basically. So the Ned interaction is what has me worried, because, like, <laughs> I think when he's talking to Toby, Toby's, he's like, oh, what happened to your best friend? He's like, he died in my arms after trying to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> um, because the Ned in the comics turns into the Hobgoblin and hmm. Probably dies. I don't know exactly where things are with that in the comics because, like, no one's ever dead permanently in comics. Right. Um, but I'm really hoping they're not doing that with this Ned. Like, I and there are a couple so. of other moments where I'm like, oh god, they're setting him up to be a villain, aren't they? Or they're just giving us more red herrings, like you know, the fakeouts that they do. Yeah, I hope it's red herrings. There's a moment that because Ned's had the sling ring this whole time. He has a little moment with Doctor Strange, like, wow, you did magic at the very end. Um, so we get the idea that he's going to become more powerful in a sense. Um, I hope they don't make him a villain. Uh, you too. I didn't see him in Multiverse of Magic, but I wasn't looking that close. I was honestly distracted for like an hour and a half of Multiverse of Magic while working on another project. <laughs> but. Entirely fair. Yeah, there's, um, there's a lot of Marvel movies that comes out these days. <laughs> Can't give your full attention to all of them. Nope. Uh, MJ and Peter also have a little talk, uh, and once more, Peter blames himself for ruining her life, and she assures him that they're going to get through it together, and once again, I assumed that the message of this movie is Peter can't do it alone, despite the danger uh, to other people in his life. Um, and yeah, we will it's just see... his guilt complex. Yep. Overwhelming guilt complex. <laughs> uh, Toby and Andrew watch this interaction and talk about their own uh, lo- complex love lives. Uh, Toby's with his MJ, <laughs> And, of course, Gwen, who died at the end of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, all the Peters finished their cures, so now they have the, to put their plan in action. They have to lure the villains somewhere to cure and fight them at the same time. That's sort of the going to be the end act of this movie. Um, and they Dale. have the subtle Peter <laughs> Spider-Man point meme, which is just like yes. chef's kiss. Because they don't, they don't dwell on it long enough where Ned is like, Peter? And they're like, what? which one? And like, Peter Parker, like, we're all Peter. And it's I think it's like two frames where they are actually all holding the pointing at each other meme. Yeah. But it's not long enough for you to even, like, I didn't even register it at <laughs> the first time. I just laughed that it was like, oh, I'm like, oh, that's a funny moment. And they mm-hmm. like kind of did a little bit of a like point back and forth. I didn't realize they held the pose of them pointing at each other. Yeah, they stay on it for a second. Uh, it's I like when they throw a little, Spider-Man's been memed a lot, uh, I'd say, over the years, <laughs> pre-MCU. Uh, so it's fun when you can kind of get a little nod to that in there. Um, Spider-Man sitting at the desk comes to mind. I think that was in Spider-Verse, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> 
But they all suit up, including Toby, who gets uh, reveals that underneath his youth pastor jacket is uh, his Spidey suit. Uh, and we get a little moment where everyone is weirded out by Toby's all-natural web fluid, because while the other uh-huh. two use, like, wrist devices and create their own web fluid, his just ha- comes out of his wrist naturally. And I had to be reminded in 2022 that that was a thing that happened. What I love about this is, is like, it, it, it doesn't shy away from some of the stupider things in all of these movies. Mm-hmm. It like, it like it it looks it dead in the eye, and makes a joke out of it. Like Sandman right. and Electro both falling into things. Like be, <laughs> like your web being later. Like the 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 conversation they have on the um, on the Statue of Liberty before like the big end fight of just, them just being like, oh man, yeah, I fought an alien space monster. Wait, you went to space? Oh, that's awesome. It's like they look <laughs> at these dumb things in the face and they just move on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um... They're going to use the box with the spell in it as bait, and Ned will portal them to the unnamed location using the sling ring, which is going to be the Statue of Liberty, because it's the only secondary location that has been hinted at through various radio programs throughout this movie. Um, MJ gives a little pep talk, which is unusual for this version of her, uh, and they all decide that they're going to go cure some ass, uh, not just kick some ass. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why I have that. I was like, <laughs> what, why do I have cure that ass <laughs> written and underlined switching in, that in here. and like, some I... really changes the meaning of that phrase <laughs> yeah i'm like why do i have this written down i really hope that i remember why this is in my notes but thank you <laughs> yep <laughs> between on. both of our notes i think we could fully cover you know any possible outcome i also yeah i also have something super villain and try to kill you which i'm guessing might be a ned reference but i don't know it's, it's also been two weeks since i watched yeah, so. um, Ned talks about how the villains are going to try and kill him at some cool. point. Awesome. Probably it. Uh, Peter calls the Daily Bugle, J. Jonah Jameson, to get his face all over every news screen in the entire city because all of New York constantly watches J. Jonah Jameson in the Look universe. at him being media savvy for I once know. in his life. Look at this little little Gen Zer running around. <laughs> Kids these days. Yeah. Uh, uh, he says that all of this is his fault and reveals his location. I, to I'm the sorry. Villains. I just realized that Spider-Man originally is a boomer and I'm very upset about this. <laughs> the original Ooh. Spider-Man was like in 1963. Yeah. He's a... And he was a teenager then. So well Spider-Man is canonically now. a boomer. This is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. My day is ruined. <laughs> oh, well, hopefully I'm sorry for interrupting that. Well, that's what we're here for. <laughs> Um, yeah, but Gen Z Spider-Man is the version of the MCU, and he's he's a little social media savvy, so he uses his call-in to the Bugle to reveal his location to the villains, the Statue of Liberty, and uh, now featuring Captain America's shield, which just feels so wildly distasteful, because um, it's right in front of the torch, which is sort of, you know, a big and iconic part of the Statue of Liberty, I would say. Uh... I am not going to comment on the taste or distaste of that. I feel like that might put us into dangerous territory that my journalism credentials not, don't allow me to go. Fair enough. Uh, we get to a sequence in the movie where the spiders are all just kind of going to riff together for a couple minutes. Um, old man Toby so out much. here with these whippersnappers. I love this. So, well, because like what I love is they talk over each other mm-hmm. and it like it. If you had told me that whole thing was just improvised, I would believe you. I don't think yeah. it's improvised. I think it's just them acting really well. But it was like they talk over each other. Um, 
And they're a little, again, going back to the wings. So, like, everyone thinks, rightly and correctly, that the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies were the worst movies of the Spider-Man movies we've got. I liked Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker in Spider-Man a lot, Mm -hmm. but the movies were hot garbage. Yeah, they weren't great. And... Um, I love Toby looking at me like, no, you are amazing. <laughs> You're amazing. Like it's this duality of like that would what that would be what youth pastor Toby would do. Mm-hmm. And it's also like this confirmation among all the Spider-Man actors that, yeah, no, Andrew Garfield is a good actor. And we still, you know, we we stand Andrew Garfield in this yeah. house. Yeah, uh, I like this sequence a lot. I think this is probably some of the best stuff in the movie because, like you mentioned, it just flows very naturally. The acting is good, and the, having all the Spider-Men gas each other up and also talk about their lives is just very funny. As anyone who's vaguely familiar with Spider-Men, I think it's maybe in the wrong spot in the movie. I'd maybe put this back in the lab a little bit because it feels like this should be a really big climactic moment, and then all of a sudden we're like joking around for five minutes. Um, but Spider-Man is a very quippy character, so it's not so wildly out of focus that I think it ruins the scene necessarily. Um, they all simultaneously get a little spider sense tingle as thunder approaches. Electro is here, the first of the villains to make his way to the Statue of Liberty, and the spider is set to work. Uh, Peter throws the cube through a portal uh, to Ned and MJ, telling them to close it to get the cube out of danger. Um, but Ned kind of struggles to close his sling ring portal as he's never quite had to do that before. Um, Reptile also arrives and... Uh, both the other Spideys need their villain's cure from Peter, but before he can deliver it, Sandman rolls up and grabs him, and now they're tussling 1v1 with each of the three villains. Um, Lizard gets trapped under some scaffolding. Sandman powers up because they're on a construction site. All sorts of fun construction dangers abound. Um, the Peters all kind of regroup for a second and talk about getting their act together, and... Uh, Parker, Peter Parker, our MCU Spider-Man, is the only one who's ever worked on a team before with the Avengers. They quip a little bit about that, uh, but eventually they're like, we need teamwork. (laughs) Yeah, what's the Avengers? I I do want to say there is a a one moment I liked in this fight. I mean, like, for the most part, it's it's pretty standard MCU fighting. Mm -hmm. But, like, I was second time through trying to look for, like, little things, is there's one point where I think it's uh, Tom Holland kicks the lizard and basically just like bounces off of him. And I like that of like, is like a, yeah, you get a sense for just like how big this, like big and beefy this guy yeah. is. Now that we get to see him in full light and not uh, throwing out the moral of the movie, you actually understand like what the lizard's deal is. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, he's not, not waxing to, Not to constantly throw shade on the lizard, but he's kind of the punching bag of all the villains in this movie. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's also, I think, it, when Electro shows up, he says shit, and it's they, which means they say shit twice in this movie. Which hmm. I was like, "Damn, Marvel putting that!" Wow, you get like I can see that in a Deadpool movie. <laughs> I can see that in a Doctor Strange movie. But like Spider Man is like, should be like the one you hold up as the rated G property that's for all the kids. So, yeah, props to them. It's- edgy spider-man i don't know it's, um, it's edgy spider-man it's not even black suit <laughs> spider-man yet maybe they'll no. drop the one f-bomb oh man <clears throat> maybe that's a risky proposition um the spider-man all regroup they decide that they're going to take out one target at a time and coordinate their attacks which is a good plan uh so they start with sandman the villain most likely to actually be helping them they think uh they lead him inside the statue and uh after some there's a lot of just like combat around where things change in the scene. I'm just going to hit you with the key points. 
lead him into the statue and light him up with the cure, which is not a joke. It's like a flashlight that like goes off and then he's a human man and not a sand man anymore. Um, one down. It works. More to go. One down. <laughs> Electro is their next target as he poses the biggest threat at the moment and they need to get that arc reactor off of him. Uh, the lizard, meanwhile, is heading for Ned and MJ who are squabbling as they try to close the portal. Uh, the lizard leaps through and it, as he does, chases Ned and MJ back through the portal and onto the Statue of Liberty. So now they're deep in the danger zone. Um Another villain takes the chance to enter the scene. It's Doc Ock. Uh, although it looks like he's there to go on the attack, he, it's actually a fake out because remember, he's the only one they cured earlier. Uh, and he uses his robot arms to stop Electro, uh, taking the arc reactor off of him and getting the cure on him, which I thought was a nice little... I'm glad that they kept that kind of continuity from him being like the one who they helped yeah. to yeah. him still being a good guy in a way. I was I was upset that I was expecting him to come up and fight. Like, I was upset at myself for not being like, no, no, you should know this, Mr. Spider-Man nerd, that he was, like, the only, like, villain who was actually just corrupted by technology mm-hmm. and not, like, his personality was corrupted. Yeah, he's just, he had a really bad migraine for years and years and years. And, you know, you know this I mean, was listen, his outlet. If you've got a bad migraine, sometimes you just want to, you know, hold the power of the sun in the palm of your hands. Everyone knows that's the go-to cure for migraines, bright light. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> don't quote us on that please listener i'm not a doctor strange or otherwise <laughs> you could you could try that i have a degree it in film and television <laughs> uh peter mj and ned cure the lizard so now he's a regular man also so all of our guys who were Is he other still things, waxing philosophical i don't remember what he says uh, i think he just becomes a blonde guy and then sort of chills yeah. out for a bit uh, I feel like he says something like, well done, my boy, or something like that. Or like, oh, I guess we're here, my boy, or something like probably. that. Probably. He's just laying probably around. He kind of just exits the there. movie at this point. Like, I don't, we see him very briefly when they get everyone back to their own universes. <laughs> Not really before then. Yeah. Um, Ned and MJ accidentally bring Doctor Strange back as they use the sling ring from the uh, mirror dimension and show him that Peter's plan is working, actually, uh, with the cure of Lizard. Strange then gives Ned an assuring hmm about using the sling ring and walks off. Uh, he has a great line here where he's like, I've been, whatever, hanging over the Grand Canyon for 12 hours. And I had this moment <laughs> of like, this whole movie takes place over the course of hours. 12 hours. That's, yeah. Whew. I'd be so tired if I was Peter. <laughs> this is, this yeah, especially since walking. it ends at, at sunrise. Oh. So, which means they fought basically all night. Spider-Man and the No Good, Very Bad Day is basically <laughs> the title of this movie. You need a nap. <laughs> oh, Spider-Man, no way to nap. Um, they get some moments of the Spideys, Andrew and Toby, sharing moments with their respective big villains. So, like, Electro and Andrew. Uh, Electro has a line about, like, you know, you're a guy from Queens always helping the little guy in the broke kind of just thought you'd be black and that drops the line there's got to be a black spider-man somewhere out there miles morales we we're all thinking it <laughs> it's gonna happen sooner or later in the mcu they got it's gotta, they got my boy miles through um toby and doc ock similarly share a moment uh because all of the villains save one key figure have been cured we got lizard sandman electro doc ock who's missing uh, he can't be that important. <laughs> uh, Strange confronts Peter, who asks him to wait before they finish the spell because they're so close. Uh, and Strange is like, "No, this still we got. This has got to end." Uh, and then on cue, the last villain makes his appearance. It's Green Goblin. 
Um, he grabs the cube. <laughs> he reprises his line from the first movie of Can Spider-Man Come Out to Play? And he does that in that creepy Willem Dafoe voice. They couldn't cure Green Goblin too early because they had to let Willem <laughs> Dafoe be a villain as long as possible because watching Willem Dafoe do the Green Goblin performance is just so fun. <laughs> He's, he's he's the perfect Green Goblin. He's so good at the Green Goblin that he was the perfect Green Goblin for not one, but two Spider-Men. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> it just worked out. I. <laughs> it just works. I wonder if they could have put that bit in there somewhere. Uh, uh... <laughs> in, this, in this two and a half hour long movie? <laughs> I'm not going to ask for any more content from this movie. because. <laughs> no, just wait for the, the, whatever it is, the even more uh, fun stuff cut that's coming out. Oh boy. Uh, that might be out by the time this goes to air. It comes out in September. Yeah, it'll be it'll be cutting it close. This will be up right around the beginning of September. Huh? We'll see. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll see. there will be some will... of these these scenes we've been asking for. <laughs> I'll be going back to see it. Unfortunately, but <laughs> as as upset as I am, I'm like, this is a blatant money grab. Take my money and let's go. <laughs> Everyone's gonna have that one thing they're a huge fan of. You know, gotta if they put like I don't know, uh, Speed Racer back in movies, I'd go see it. It's <laughs> everyone's got their movie. So I need to tell you this, because mm-hmm. um, I've heard you talk about Speed Racer before on other episodes, that when oh, I was a kid, <laughs> I misheard um, the Speed Racer theme song, and I always thought it was Gospel Racer, Gospel <laughs> Racer. <laughs> and uh, that's a very different thing, yeah, but that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. That's like but the VeggieTales adaptation. That. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you shared that <laughs> I'm going to be thinking of that next time I hear the theme song now. Um, it'll never it'll never leave your brain. No. It's like the Chrissy Wake Up theme song <laughs> oh, that's on God. TikTok right now. <laughs> and listener, if you thought that was finally out of your mind, welcome back one month, two months later. Yeah, and speaking of welcoming things back, Goblin's back, and he's grabbed the cube, and he puts a charge inside of it, and it, of course, goes off, sending uh, the structurally unsound shield crumbling down the Statue of Liberty, uh, along with doing some significant damage to the spell containing various dice they've got them in, basically. Um, there's a moment where MJ starts to fall, and Andrew run- rushes down to grab her and saves her, uh, getting very emotional when they both hit the ground safely, because that's how his Gwen oh, died, which was that maybe was... the saddest moment in this movie. <laughs> I was like, no, that's so the emotionally whole... crushing. The whole, yeah, I mean, that whole scene was like that, I had a feeling it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, as soon as she started falling, I'm like, Andrew's got to save her. Andrew's got to save her. Yeah. Come on, give him this moment. Give him this moment. And then when he does it, and then, like, he's more shaken up by it than she is. I was just, like, sitting in there, just, like, just like bawling yeah. in the theater. Props to Andrew. Even... His face was spot on. You could see how it's messed so up it was. And I love how she's like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah like she's like it's it's all right it's it's okay i almost just died but are you okay yeah um ned also gets saved from falling by dr strange's cape uh that cape is really pulling its weight in this particular movie um just like yeah just like in every time dr strange i'm 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 a little i'm a little worried by like you know ned being the chosen one of the cape and like i'm Mm. I'm worried i'm worried maybe he's gonna be the new sorcerer supreme maybe wong's gonna retire and ned gets taken over we're going to run with that okay headcanon until proven otherwise. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, 
Strange watches as the seams of the multiverse start to come across all above New York and tries to seal them up while Peter fights the Green Goblin down on the shield in the water. It's very dramatic and lit with a lot of copper uh, for a statue that is mostly green these days. Um. <laughs> it's You know, it's the, it's the alternate universe where they have the technology to actually like scrub it and make it copper again. Yeah, they reverse oxidation and now it's uh, all shiny. Um, so this this whole fight is, you know, I love how angry he is through this. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, there's that one punch where he's punching down and you see the dent that he puts into the shield. Yeah. And it it's it goes back to when Andrew Garfield earlier was like, I stopped pulling my punches. Mm-hmm. And for me, harkens back to like, it's nice every now and then to have these reminders of like, just how strong Spider-Man is. Yeah. The man the man has lifted an airplane before. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to remind people of that. Um, but overall it gives me um, I'm I don't know if you're familiar with this, the the PS4 Spider-Man game that came out a few years ago. Right. The combat is very similar with him using the webs a lot. Um, the way he fights. Yes, my my cat. My cat <laughs> Ooh, has finally arrived. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> So, uh, that's but that's all I all I have. Um, just sort of, yeah. I love I love the dent that he leaves, and I love the way that he uses the webs. And it it there's a lot in this movie that's reminiscent of actually the PS4 Spider-Man game, up to and including the epitaph on Aunt May's tombstone. But I won't get there. Ooh. By the yeah. way, spoilers for that game that came out four years ago, five years ago. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you haven't played through the Spider-Man game. Maybe you should have done so before watching this episode. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they, they duel. Uh, it's a little less evenly matched than last time. Peter pretty quickly gets the upper hand and is very relentlessly punching. punching. It kind of calls back to the scene in the apartment complex where Peter was uh, punching Norman. Uh, but in this case, Norman has no way to fight back. Uh, it's relentless. Tom Holland's face is very intense. Very emotionally charged fight um he grabs the glider to stab the goblin with because as a reminder audience that glider is very spiky it's pointy <laughs> it's pointy it's come up a few times <laughs> um but toby old man toby steps in and stops <laughs> and like a proper youth pastor he stops the children from their own sins yes he he helps stop them from <laughs> I think I, I like said that out loud the second time we watched it. My wife groaned so hard. Um, he sort of just gives Peter like a look to like a knowing, like, I know you want to do this. And Peter walks back. His anger learns his lesson. And as soon as he does, uh, Toby gets stabbed in the back by Goblin for his trouble. Um, so this is the second significant mentor figure of, of the movie that Peter is at risk of losing. <laughs> At least this one doesn't die, which was what I definitely thought was going to oh, happen. Oh, yeah. There. I was like, as soon as it happened, I'm like, Toby's dead. There's no way Toby survives this. There's, there's they no need way. to let him rest. No <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man just got stabbed in the kidneys, if not like in the spine. Mm-hmm. Um, but. The Green Goblin tries to make one last uh, ploy at Peter's emotions, saying that he's the reason that um, May died. But Andrew just throws Peter the... Oh, hello. <laughs> throws Peter the... Uh, cure and he cures the green goblin with it who returns to being norman uh fulfilling his aunt may's final wishes and the spirit of her actions uh and immediately norman is filled with regret for all of the actions he took as the green goblin um the spiders all check on each other thinking the crisis is over toby is fine uh he's just in enormous pain as he will tell andrew as <laughs> I love that. you are in so funny. much pain aren't you <laughs> Um, 
But the crisis isn't over yet, because again, this movie is two and a half hours long and we're probably at the two hour mark. Uh, (laughs) The fabric of the universe is coming apart. Peter sets off alone to check in with Strange. He's like, it's too late to cast the spell in the original form. All of these sky people are here about to jump into our universe because of you. They know Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Um... uh, you know, at this point, it became apparent to me that the moral I thought this movie was trying to impart is not the place that it's going to end in. Uh, nope. <laughs> because Peter is like, what if everyone forgot who I was and tells Strange to make everyone forget him, which Strange is reluctant to do because everyone who knows and loves him would have no memory of Peter Parker at all. Uh, but Parker tells him to do it anyway because it's what's necessary to save the world. And he swings off to say his goodbyes to his loved ones since he doesn't have long before they'll forget him forever. Um... Peter says goodbye to the other spiders and they share a little moment of we all do the same thing and a big group hug. Uh, and then he finds Ned and MJ, we get another group hug, and he tells them that they're going to forget who he is and that he's going to come and find them and explain everything and make them remember him. Um, MJ's like, I don't want you to do this. You know, I don't want to forget you and tries to come up with a plan because she's ever the pragmatist, uh, but there's nothing they can do. And Peter just assures them it'll all be okay. Ned and Peter, you know, best friend handshake it out. MJ and Peter have a big old smooch and exchange I loves you. Or they try to because MJ makes Peter wait to tell her till he sees her again. That's not going to come back to bite you later. Strange finishes the spell. All the villains and other spiders go back to their own universes, now cured. Uh, the rifts close in the sky. And J. Jonah Jameson, the marker of time in this film, comes back to let us know that a few weeks have passed since the incident on the Statue of Liberty. Uh, and also that no one knows who this spider menace is. <laughs> so what's interesting about this is he still has the same rich setup now. Yeah. Which indicates that the spider, the anti-Spider-Man propaganda still a very well-paying gig apparently Mm -hmm. this is where the film uh logistics of like the memory spell sort of confused me a bit because mj and ned would have been at the statue strange would have been at the statue also that yeah like i'm i'm part of like my biggest question is why didn't he just stay there like standing in front of them as the spell happened and then be like hey by the way yeah this is gonna sound crazy tell strange who cast the spell but many times before and knows the effects that it has and might be more amenable to it um because it doesn't change reality it just changed people's memories but we're getting close to the end so i don't know maybe we'll explore that in a future film um peter walks along the streets of new york now snowy for realsies and uh rehearses a speech that he has as he approaches the donut shop where mj works about who he is and how he knows them uh mj is there at work and she sees him waves but it turns out that she's actually waving to ned who walks in behind him uh she simply takes peter's order for a single coffee and he tries to start his speech before stopping, uh, instead watching as she brings a donut to Ned and both of them uh, talk about how excited they are to get into MIT without Peter around. Their lives progressed uh, fairly well, uh, even though both of them are friends because they both knew Peter. So I don't. I guess they met through a club at school this time around, um, the debate team. Who knows? The interesting, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, she's still got the band-aid on mm-hmm. from the whatever scrape she got during the fight, but she's also got the, the black Dahlia necklace that he gave her in the last movie, which mm-hmm. I'm like. What? So many physical what? objects to jog your memory also, <laughs> also, that cup, um, is that like a New York cup? Because I remember that from when You're I was a kid. You're happy to serve you? I think yeah. there's like a, I don't know. I didn't grow up in New York. I've just moved here, but I see it all the time at like corner stores okay. and stuff. Um, yeah. 
I think there's got to be a supplier somewhere in the city who just manufactures them and it's cheaper to get here or something. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I remember them being everywhere when I was a kid and I have never seen one since. <laughs> I wonder how much, because they show up in movies and TV a lot that are set in New York too. And part of that yeah. is, it's probably because it happened, you know, they were everywhere in New York. People would make, shoot things here and use them. And now it's become such an iconic touch point that like, if you go to New York and you don't get a Self-fulfilling prophecy. Sort of, yeah, yeah, it just loops back on itself. Um, Peter watches his friends be happy. Uh, as MJ gives him his coffee, he asks if she's excited for MIT, which she is. And uh, they have a moment where she's like, ooh, it's, it's weird for me, though. And he's like, it's because you try not to get excited about things. And she's like, do you know more about me than I think you do? And I was like, uh, that, just tell her. Don't be creepy, Tom. Don't <laughs> Tom? be creepy. Tom. Don't make it creepy. Come on, man. Um, he, but he's Spider-Man. He's always got to mess up his personal relations in every possible way before he finally figures it out. Yep. It's looking at her, their little bandage on her head from the scratch from the fight that finally stops him. Uh, and they he, he leaves saying that he'll just see her around and goes to May's grave, having not fulfilled his promise to tell them everything as soon as the spell went off. Um, Peter leaves a flower and has a little moment with Happy, who was also there, saying that he knew May through Spider-Man. Um, and uh, Happy sort of, I, yeah. I, I like this because, like, it's, uh, you know, they they both say that they knew each other through Spider-Man. It's like, I feel like, because there's that long shot where you see both of them, and you see Tom's, like, eyes dart back and forth. And it's almost like you can see him, like, do I, do I say something? Do I say anything to him? And then he's like, no, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. Like you can see him like having that internal struggle with himself. Yeah. Or he just moves on. And it's, as I said earlier, it's the same epitaph on that grave as it is on May's grave in in the the game hmm. that came out a few years ago. Very nice. Um, <clears throat> happy kind of lampshades. Like at, at, looking at this apart from any comics, he sort of like lampshades my problem with this in the MCU, which is he talks about how he lost a very good friend, Iron Man, Tony Stark last movie and went through this whole sort of worrying about how to take on his legacy thing. And that was also sort of Peter's arc in this la- in the last movie. And it's sort of his arc in this movie with May with some variations on the same theme. And personally, I was like, I don't want to see this again. I already watched him <laughs> do this whole thing, grieving a mentor, yes. coming into himself, yeah. becoming no, balancing spider. I'm like, come on guys. Um, see for me, this, that never occurred to me because for me, this movie got the character back to where it should be. So, like, way early in the movie, there's, mm-hmm. like, they're flipping through, like, the magazine covers. And one of them is, like, Iron Man Jr., question mark. And it's, like, a baby Spider-Man crying. And, which is, like, what a lot of Spider-Man fans have criticized the MCU depiction of him. is like, why is he Iron Man Jr.? Why does he have all this tech? The point of Spider-Man is that he's poor. He lives on his own. He can't do anything right. And uh, no one likes him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this movie is like taking all of that and getting him into the, the right mind frame for that. <clears throat> Someone else put it, and I forget, I forget the way they, the, they put it, but basically this film all the films deal with responsibility in, in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to stop because I don't remember at all what it said. <laughs> and they would have put it... Basically, it's like the first movie is like belie- is, is about believing in yourself. The first two movies are about, about believing in yourself. And the third movie is about like maybe you should listen to others or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't... But I'm, I am rambling and this should probably all just get cut. <laughs> Noted. Uh, 
Peter does move into his new dingy apartment, which honestly, for New York City renting these days, looked pretty nice to me. I'm like, you got a lot of great natural light in that place. A little, <laughs> a little TLC. I think you could really make it worth it. I'd love to know what his rent was. Uh, I was, I was so like in the comics, his original apartment had a skylight, and I was really no wondering way. if they were going to put that in. I'm like, no. there's no, <laughs> no way, way that exists anywhere in New York <laughs> Not that a, a kid chance. like that could afford. <laughs> someone, someone on the Spider-Man Reddit is like, could you last? A, three minutes against one of spider-man's greatest villains and someone was like his greatest villain is rent so yes i can (laughs) yes i could last like three months against his greatest villain um yeah but he's back to kind of the original comics spider-man take on the character he's got his homemade spider suit he's studying for his ged he's down on his luck he's solo no one no friends no family everyone in new york hates him even though they don't know his identity uh and he swings off into the night to fight crime and do spider stuff uh, which makes this the third Spider-Man origin story in the MCU. Um, <laughs> there's two end credit scenes because this is a Marvel movie. Mid credits, we see Eddie Brock uh, drinking at a tiki bar in Mexico, fill- getting all the info on what's happened in the MCU uh, before Eddie Brock being Venom, of course, from the Sony movies. Um, he decides to go to New York City to talk to Spider-Man and then immediately gets portaled out of there because the spell goes off or whatever and he's not from this universe. And, and a tiny little bit of Venom symbiote is left on the bar. Um, and poor Danny Rojas from Ted Lasso <laughs> yeah. is left there to pay the bill for him. Ugh. Poor Danny Rojas, which is my wife's like favorite. My my wife, as soon as she meets him, was like, have, have you have you ever seen Ted Lasso? Do you, do you like that? So, um, so this was... Uh, going back to my like Sp- Spider-Man mm-hmm. standness, this was like the thing they they fixed all the things I didn't like about Spider-Man in this movie. I didn't like that he was still in high school. I didn't like um, that he was Iron Man Junior. And they fixed both of those things. I'm like, oh wow, this is amazing. And I was like, oh, but they brought Venom into this universe. And even though he has no connection to Spider-Man, I'm like, oh my god, they're even maybe going to do the black suit Spider-Man right. And I was like, I wasn't expecting you to fix this criticism (laughs) that I didn't even know I had yet. So that's, I mean, I hope I'm, I hope I'm not just like fanboying too much. Um, Um, There's one other end credit scene though. And it's just a promo for multiverse of magic, uh, which is not the movie we're here to discuss. So we're just going to gloss on over that one. I I did actually just watch that, but I'm yeah, no, we're good. (laughs) More on that, see, I assume a future episode at some point. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I'm interested to hear like your kind of closing thoughts on it, because I think we have two... Can, I, I'm not... Uh, I like Spider-Man, but I'm not... I, I haven't read a lot of comic stories from him. I don't have a yeah. lot of background on the character, so just looking at it purely from an MCU standpoint, I think we came away with two different opinions in this movie, so I'm curious to hear what your kind of like thoughts on it were. Yeah, for me, it's, it's a perfect... Not maybe not a perfect, but I think it's a really, really good encapsulation of the character, um, and a lot of the reasons that I fell in love with this character, which is like, I, I constantly have to remind my wife that I'm not actually a big Marvel fan. Um, she's like, "Let's go see Thor," and I'm like, uh, "Okay, all right." He's like, "Oh, let's watch Hawkeye." I'm like, uh, "I'm good. You can watch Hawkeye," um, but I will like always go see Spider-Man the day or the second day that it comes out um, because it's a character that's all about dealing with struggle, dealing with adversity, and um, dealing with also like normal problems in addition to the superhero problems. Like <clears throat> Spider-Man's issue is he's got to make a date and also stop the smugging before mm-hmm. eight o'clock. And a lot of the movies have sort of touched on that. Um, Homecoming, I thought, did it really well. Far From Home, I thought, did it really well. But this is the first time that I thought they also got the guilt complex that he has, which is 
across all the comics, he's like, oh God, Uncle Ben is dead because of me, so I need to run myself ragged until um, everyone is safe and no one's allowed to die on my watch. And anytime someone does die, it's just this, like, he blames himself and gets in a rut for it for like a month, even though like he did everything in his power. <laughs> and so it's it's nice to see the Spider-Man be the neurotic, awful mess that we all know and love no. <laughs> or that I know and love. Yeah. So there's something very charming about um, how just how down on his luck Peter Parker often is. Um, I think for me, this movie sort of epitomizes what I personally uh, am fatigued with and don't like about the later phases of the MCU. But I don't think that that's a reflection of the character of Spider-Man necessarily or the way that they characterize him in this movie. Uh, If you look at the movie in the broader context of the MCU, it's the third origin story for this character we've gotten in a row. Um, It rehashes a lot of the kind of plots and ideas from the previous installment. Um, But that said... Uh, or, or it feels like it's sort of walking back on um, some of the ideas that previous installments in the MCU have brought up and are a little, it's a little bit afraid of Spider-Man being too involved in the greater MCU-verse, the, the baby Iron Man stuff, basically. Um, which, whether you like that or not, is something that they've built up to this point till now, uh, and now they're walking back with this film. But that said, the characterization of Spider-Man, the interactions between the different characters in the movie in particular, especially when you start getting the Andrew and Toby of it all in there, uh, adds a lot of charm. So at the end of the day, like if you look at this movie in isolation, I think it's much stronger than when if you consider it in like the wider <laughs> Spider-Man movie universe, yeah. which is strange because it's a movie that is about, the, you know, the wider Spider-Man movie universe. Yeah. And it's it's so because it's funny because I, I was very on un- underwhelmed by far from home the previous mm-hmm, movie yeah um i thought homecoming was one of the best oh, yeah. um, spider-man movies i had seen at that time but what did you think about like the overall length of the movie two and a half hours is like i mean we're we're in end game territory yeah. here because uh... i left feeling like <laughs> it was it's the first mcu spider-man where i didn't have to get up and use the bathroom in the middle of it <laughs> ironically enough um but i left being like wow, that was two and a half hours and it felt like the story, it, I never felt like it dragged, but maybe I'm just on cloud nine. Uh, I go, I think, hmm. The first time I watched it, it felt like it dragged and the second time I watched it, it didn't. And I'm not quite sure how <laughs> to reckon with that necessarily. That, that doesn't work. I know, I was like, that doesn't quite make sense. Um, I, I think there are some points where they have to spend a little bit of time rehashing MCU related stuff and those are usually the points where it starts to drag but the bulk of that is the first 30 minutes of the movie so once you get out of that it starts to pick up and I don't notice the runtime as much uh, personally I prefer shorter movies or if we're not going to make shorter movies bring the intermission back yes. <laughs> let me go to the bathroom in yes. the middle of the movie <laughs> yes <laughs> Michael Giacchino my boy did great score let it that just play for like 10 minutes we could all go use the bathroom and come back I'm just saying it's it's a flawless idea <laughs> I'm still upset that they didn't do that in Endgame. Oh, put it in uh, like because what was that like three and a quarter? Yeah, if you're gonna make a movie over two hours, you gotta put an intermission in there. It's like say, it's the it rule of theater, you know. Like there's a reason that every like, play has intermissions in it. <laughs> yeah, and it was always the, it was the funniest thing for me where like I my wife always makes fun of me that I have like an iron bladder and I could just like hold it forever. Mm-hmm. Both of the previous Spider-Man movies, which I went to saw in theaters on like the day they came out. Like, I'm at, I'd be at that point where it's like, 
it, you're just close enough to the end, but you're just <laughs> far enough from the end yeah. where like, no, I don't want to like be uncomfortable for the entire end of this movie. So I would run and then I come back and like when I watched Homecoming, I came back and missed the whole like way that he got trapped underneath the rubble before he has that, you know, mm-hmm. all for Klimt scene. But you know, we're not here to talk about Homecoming. No, Homecoming, probably my favorite Spider-Man movie. <laughs> Homecoming, I loved the... I think my favorite five minutes of Spider-Man is actually Civil War. Because mm. I feel like it's the one time they've gotten the quippiness of him The airport down. fight with the quipping yes. around. Yeah, that's, that might be my favorite part of that movie, uh, frankly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the runtime of this movie, uh, it's long. It doesn't always feel super long. I, the, the character interactions I expected to drag going into it, because I... I knew that Toby and Andrew showed up after, like you mentioned, the day this movie was released, everyone was aware that Toby and Andrew were going to show up. Uh, And I kind of expected them to do the go-to Marvel move of letting them quip for far longer than they really needed to. But I felt like those scenes actually (laughs) were paced pretty well. um, And I didn't notice how long they went on as much as some of the earlier fights uh, and earlier like exposition did. Um, So I I don't know, 50-50 on how well it was paced in the runtime i think if you really like spider-man you're not going to notice the runtime as much um or if you know a lot about the mcu you might notice it because you're going to get a lot of this information you probably already have in the top half of this film and that's never uh never great for film pacing yeah 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 for me it felt like i wonder if if them bringing the spider-man in so late in the movie Mm -hmm. you know after 84 minutes I wonder if that helps avoid the over-quippiness, and yeah. so you appreciate their time on screen that much more. Yeah, I'm interested to see with the kind of extended cut with more... I assume it will be mostly more quips and uh, spider interactions. Uh, I want, I'm interested to see if that bloats it at all, um, or if that makes it... Or if it just adds more benefit uh, to the plot. Yeah, and I... I wonder if it's just going to be like an extra 10 minutes of deleted scenes yeah. <laughs> and that's really all it is. So I'm like, I'm like, how much more can you pack into a two and a half hour long movie? Exactly. Uh, it's tricky. We, we will see. <laughs> we'll see. But we packed a lot into this two hour podcast, so I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, if folks want to hear more from uh, Jack, where, where can they find you? Um, you can hear me on 90.9 WBUR-FM in Boston. You can find me on the WBUR Listen app. Um, if you want to see my circus show, I'm performing right now at King Richard's Fair in uh, Carver, Massachusetts, just south of Boston. Uh, I'll be there basically the next uh, seven weekends uh, until late October. I don't remember the exact date. And then after that, I'll, I'll be doing some shows at the Louisiana Renaissance Festival. And you can always find me. I post show bits and funny bits on tiktok instagram sometimes facebook just go to jackthewhipper.com that's where you can find all the information on me yeah that'll all be linked in the show notes below i've seen jack's uh show at the king richards fair it's very entertaining highly recommend uh and also you know (laughs) love that radio voice Uh, (laughs) which is starting to get a little ragged but we'll be okay yeah we'll we'll let you go let you recover uh vocally um i'm off to i don't know make everyone in the universe forget me actually you know what no that'd be terrible for the brand i exist solely (laughs) you people could listening in again so scratch that we'll catch you next episode (laughs) thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of movie struck We'll be back on September 19th with another thrilling installment, but if you have any questions, comments, or concerns for the podcast before then, feel free to email us at moviestruckpod at gmail.com. 
If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. All through the end of September, we're running a Patreon drive right now. Uh, and we've already blown past the first uh, bonus episode goal. So Cats 2019 with Brendan Connors will be coming out shortly uh, for patrons. If you uh, want me to be contractually obligated to watch Morbius, consider checking out that drive and becoming a patron yourself. Uh, There's a lot of great benefits, exclusive Discord access, monthly reviews selected by patrons, uh, and it means a lot to me that you guys are supporting the show. So thank you to everyone who has joined us. If you want to hear more from our guest Jack, check out the links to his TikTok and content in the show notes below. And I want to give a special thank you to all the patrons who joined us in August. Thank you to Stephen Farnsworth, Bearded Leafy Green, Allie H., Vicky, Frost Knight, Leon Kleinveld, Hartlight, William Warren, Lucas Hart, Will Stevens, Charles, Saturn Toodles, Bryson Mon, Richard Montoya, Luvernagog, The Australian Superhero, Indigo Obsidian, Norbert Wagner III, The Dance of Italy, Magitrissa, Elsong the Brewer, Adrian VB, Melancholic, Andrew Sweetapple, Brian Miller, David Wiseman, Jacob Dirk Kuistra, JC Fieri, Maverick Nugent, Minayanak, Amy Huck, Maverick Artist, BJ Gray, Taco Cat 343, Christina, Ashok Sometimes, Alexander Mendez, Chris Armstrong, and Mira Purcell. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us over on Patreon and helping support the podcast. And thank you to all of our other patrons as well. It's because of you guys that this show is possible. Thanks for listening.